When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I wish I was home. I wish I was back there with the things I've been knowing. When that makes the tall grass bend into leaning, suddenly the rain. Hello again, and welcome to episode 87. I looked it up. Aside from the fact that I've miscounted other episodes, so this is like could be 85 or could be 89. On paper, this is episode 87, and I'm confident of that. Of the feminine critique, I'm Emily. With me, as always, is the one and only, and slightly less confident in that number, Christine. I do, guess. Do you not may, have confidence maybe it's in me? 106. Like, I'm telling you that I've miscounted before as far as, like, I know I put out two episode 40s, like, I just didn't know, and episode 41 Mm -hmm. was entitled episode 40, but, like, I'm positive that, based on whatever numbers we're at now, I'm calling this episode 87, so, bam, Mm -hmm. lucky 87. In some cultures, that means something. Maybe in another dimension, we're at, like, 300. That is possible. I keep thinking, like... Oh, because we did something big for our 50th show. Like, we should do something really big for our 100th show. But it could be three years before we get to that. So I think I'm premature. Yep. By then, podcasting may be done, like, via our minds and not microphones. We don't know. Mm-hmm. The future. Who knows? It's a beautiful thing. Christine, Holograms. how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we've. It's only been about two weeks since we've recorded. So for us, like, we're suddenly ship shape how about that yeah it's it seems like we're on track and i won't have a million things to tell you i watched because it hasn't been that long yeah but what are we going to be watching today what are we uh covering these were entirely your picks oh boy um so we are going to be covering a movie from a year called the skeptic 2009 although i would believe it if you told me it was made in 1993 yeah, absolutely. 100%. And then 2013? 2013? 2012? I think 13. Um, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Thank you for saying the title right. It is not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. And if you no. dare put that in when you're searching on IMDb, you will never find this movie. Correct. It was So I rented this one from a, a physical video store, and I had a really hard time finding it. It, it's just frustrating because that title you have to type that title exactly yeah. right and it, this one push it makes chainsaw be one word you know as the original chainsaw is two words so oh, God. it was a, it was a whole thing it was like that. a whole thing yeah the mm-hmm. like i always complain about how much i hate the fast and the furious sequel naming convention because there's no yes, numbers do. associated with them and when there are like they sort of inconsistently use the numbers to mean things like the fate of the mm-hmm. furious or uh fast mm-hmm. five oh, and they end also i'm bitter because they didn't use the fast and the furious which i thought would have been amazing and they didn't do that so therefore i've always been had a chip on my shoulder about that but like it drives me crazy because <laughs> it's impossible to know which movie came when and and i will say texas chance massacre you have had several Right, you've had three, mm-hmm. and then Return, which is kind of four, even though it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. Then you had a remake, then you had a prequel to the remake, then you had this mm-hmm. one, or are we missing one? 
No, I think I think you're right. I mean, I'm not looking at IMDb or anything, but that's how I remember it. And I I think I've seen all of them for okay. obvious reasons. But like this one, the naming convention on this one, you know, throws caution to the wind and it's tough and we'll get into it more, I'm sure, but it's tough to really like where Situate does this one it? fit in? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like like in the mm-hmm. timeline of the movies. Yeah. Obviously, they make it pretty clear when you're watching it where it fits in. But, but if like you if you were to just be looking at movies, the shelf, yeah, it's it's hard to have that. Yeah, is this is this a sequel to the Jennifer mm-hmm. Je- Jessica Beale? Oof, I don't know what name I was about to say. Um, is it a sequel to that? Is it a, another prequel to that? Is it a sequel to the to the original franchise? Like who the fuck knows? Yeah, it's needlessly confusing. Yeah. And again, it's really fresh. Like, I use Letterbox to track my, my movies. And sometimes it's a pain when it's a movie that uh, maybe has a foreign title that has, like, too many alternate titles that Letterbox doesn't recognize all of them. Or sometimes if there's a number and it's written as a number, like, you have to, like, try everything to get Letterbox to understand what you're ty- typing. And with this, same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I had to type it, like, three times because I kept wanting to type Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Uh, which is not the title of the movie, and it's very frustrating. But um, that might not have it nothing is. to do with whether I liked it or not. We'll find out. Oh. Indeed. Oh, I'm, I'm titillated now. I now, um, I, I also, I will say I'm very proud of you, Christine. Because on paper, when, we, when you picked these movies, uh, I thought to myself, what the hell do these movies have in common? Like, what, what an odd mix of movies. You have this very... Um, sort of chased and tame ghost story, but maybe it's not a ghost story. Maybe it's more a psychological thriller or it's just like a lifetime movie cloaked in something else with um, Tim Daly in The Skeptic. Mm-hmm. And then you have a sequel, prequel, something to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But then I realized there is a theme. They have something very clear in common. D- did you, do you know what it is? Did you pick it because of that? Um. No, because I don't know what you're referring to. (laughs) Well, both movies are about people inheriting or maybe inheriting amazing houses. (gasps) I'm so smart. You are so smart. smart. You are the Um, smartest. Maybe I did know that because I watched The Skeptic and then thought I need to talk to, I want to talk to somebody about it. Mm -hmm. And then Emily was like, pick something to match with it. and, And I don't know why I picked Texas Chainsaw 3D. I really don't, other than the fact that I'm 100% obsessed with it. But I don't know, maybe in my head, maybe I'm smarter than I'm giving myself credit for. Thank you. Two people, maybe inheriting, maybe not inheriting, absolutely amazing houses. And we will Mm -hmm. get to all of this. There you go. There you have it. Yeah, I know you guys are like already like going to fast forward through everything to hear us talk about the skeptic. But before we do that, Christine, what other movies and television and anything else people neighbors through open windows have you been watching well there's a lady walking down the street in a very blue windbreaker right now is it windbreaker but i just started watching her so i can't really speak to that um i watched split and you didn't like it i understand did you die i was shocked that you had i cannot hear you oh oh no i'm right okay woo. i understand you did not like split I didn't like Split. Tell me why not. Because, well, okay, so part of it, I think, is my own doing. Because I knew it was going to be interconnected with the other movie. Which, okay. And now that's, now yeah. that's just everywhere. It's, it's been, it's out there. And again, I actually don't think it spoils Split in the least. Because 
it doesn't it's not really part of the plot of that movie it's just a nice little it thing at the very end but for like anybody who really still doesn't want to know fast forward like three minutes and we won't tell you but we will tell you now that yeah split kind of ends with a little teaser of a connection to unbreakable but so it's an expectation thing then so if i know that the entire movie Mm. if i know they're connected somehow the entire movie i'm screaming at the tv is that bruce willis (laughs) is is like like it's so i my expectations were in a weird place that's a shame also the the woman whose name is in the witch that i can't i can never remember her name and i joy i think maybe i have to get better at that because i talk about her a lot and i I don't know her her name i love her too it's it wasn't her movie she ended up just being this like like victim and they use her trauma like as a plot device but i mean i guess every movie uses trauma as a plot device Mm -hmm. i just didn't like the way it was done it was very like i don't know it was i thought it was going to be about like victim reclamation and she was like gonna own this these terrible things that happened to her but in the end she just passively stood there and the awful things that somebody did to her made somebody else not do something awful to her like she didn't do anything though it was it was I mean, I think I would argue. I would argue one thing because I think there is one plot point or kind of maybe ambiguous decision that I thought was clear, but I know other people thought completely opposite. Which is at the very end, and I mean, again, we're spoiling split a little bit. But when she's in the cop car and the cop comes over and says, "Your uncle is here," I felt like she had this look, like, "Okay, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not going with my uncle." Now the movie doesn't necessarily say that's what happened but i thought it was a subtle way of saying mm-hmm. no she is right now she is taking a stand and she is not going back to him um, oh i didn't i didn't get that at you all. didn't get that yeah i've heard other no, people but, not but get again that. i spent a lot of time wondering where you know mr glass was okay so maybe i missed that because like i told you i think part of it was me i think yeah, you're watching was, a different movie or you wanted to be watching a different movie waiting like every time anything happened i was like so wait what year is it is it gonna be unbreakable <laughs> are is they this using after- cell phones or are they using iphones like 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 an asshole like i shouldn't have been doing that i should just watch the movie and let it be the movie yeah but it's but hard i still didn't really appreciate mm-hmm. that 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 character very much i think mcavoy did a did a fine job yeah he's great um yeah i I didn't have a i i had a problem with the lady characterization more than anything else and then i don't know if i like unbreakable such a good movie i don't know if i want all these movies to be connected right now (laughs) like so there's gonna be a third one that's yeah, and I've Obvious. only seen Unbreakable no, one time, no. and this was going back probably like 10 years or whenever that movie came out on video, yeah. so I just don't have a connection to it. So to me, <laughs> at the very end when Bruce Willis shows up, honestly, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, because I heard the whole theater go like, oh, and I'm like, I guess that has something to do with Unbreakable. Okay. Oh my god, that's the funniest thing. Yeah, I just didn't, <laughs> I really had no memory. Like, I knew that the, the from like what I'd heard that, oh, Split connects to other M. Night Shyamalan movies. I'm like, please don't be the village. Please don't be the village. Yeah. Uh and so it just didn't matter to me and then like I think that left me a little less impressed like I didn't walk out the theater with the same like wah that a lot of people had just because I didn't really care like I didn't need it to to connect to Unbreakable but I liked it on its own without that just fine Mm -hmm. had I seen it when it was in the theater I I might have a very different reaction to it I could see that yeah so whatever I might 
look at it again. Like when this third one eventually happens, I might watch all of, like the first two to like you know have a cohesive sure. picture. But I don't think I would revisit it for any other reason. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, we rented a movie called Bad Moon. It Bad is a werewolf Moon. movie that takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, nice, nice. Sounds um, vaguely familiar, it, but apparently, like when you when you Google lists of werewolf movies, it comes up. I think I said werewolf, right? I didn't. In say fairness, vampire. there aren't that many werewolf movies. There really isn't. So when it, this one is frequently mentioned, I don't know if it's mentioned as being good or just as existing, but it exists. It's an interesting movie. It's actually about a dog. Oh. So. I, re- I I I'm giving it a recommend. How if you is ever the dog? Run across this movie. Is the dog a good, good how how is good canine actor? Or is, what? He? is he Russell Madness oh levels or no? He's so good. Oh, so good. Does um, does he is he this okay? This dog was everything. Like, it, am I gonna be sad? Yes. No, he is hero dog. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right, I'll watch it. But it's so much about this dog oh. that it is amazing, and I cannot recommend it enough for that reason. Um, other than that, like, there's a few good werewolf effects, and like, it's the mythology's a bit weird in it. Um, the kid that played Dennis the Menace in the live-action <gasps> Dennis Mason the Menace, Gamble? Walter Matha. Uh, yeah. Why do I know that name? I just know that what? name somehow. He's 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 the little kid in it. Oh. Um, so I don't it's know. From like I think late nineties. Yeah, I think I might be recommending this to you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna watch Bad Moon. So, um, yeah, it was the dog is like, oh, so good. But um, so we randomly watched that. Um, I've had an urge recently to rewatch the others. Yeah. Um, How does that hold up? I really well. Good. So I watched it. I saw it when it first came out at the drive-in, which isn't. Oh, that's not the a good. That's movie. not a good drive-in <laughs> movie. Yeah. It was before Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, what, so like who it was the that? wrong crowd for it too. Ugh. I don't know, wrong crowd for it. Um, but I remember liking it in the theater, and I know every, there's like a, you know the big twist, the big reveal, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and I thought, am I going to not like this, knowing that sure. you know turn it takes? But it was great. It held up. It was very pretty. It was very well shot. Yeah. Um, it was sufficiently creepy where it should be creepy nicole kidman was super good that's the perfect role for her too yeah i love when she like full out embraces the like ice queen in her and like in a gothic setting it's beautiful yeah like super distant and like icy but also like hyper concerned about everything like i really i really enjoyed that um so there's this movie called the signal which signal? There's two movies called The Signal. Yes, this is the one with um, um, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, Larry with Cowboy Curtis. Couldn't think okay. of his name. Not so. This um, is not the anthology. This is the movie that came out maybe like four years ago or so. Yes, but if you're somewhere and you search The Signal and both of those come up, just watch the anthology. Just skip this one. Oh, Even if really? Seen it. Really? I like <laughs> the anthology quite a bit. Yeah, you didn't like this Me one. Too. No, I, I didn't. I I like Lawrence Fishburne and everything always until the end of time. Yep. But it was a little, I don't know. I it was forgettable mm. slash sort of confusing for no reason. Yeah. Um. It's it's very sci-fi, but like, I don't know. I'm trying not to be derogatory when speaking about it. I mean, if you like this movie, that's fantastic. It really just I wasn't the audience for it. I don't think there's some cool things they do with it because there's like aliens or is there aliens? 
you know? Okay. Where- I remember, I've heard a lot of people talk this one up quite a bit. And I've had it on my list forever. I think it's not like on my Netflix queue of one of these days I'll watch this movie. But interesting to hear you were not that big a fan. No, I mean, you should watch it. Okay. But So have you seen, like, Primer? No, because I feel like yeah. I'm not smart enough or... That's not like, I don't know, I'm concerned that I'm not, I'm going to watch it and not feel smart enough. I don't like feeling dumb. It's important to me. I like feel... holding on to my intelligence. But, no, but it's, 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 it's very high concept. I may, okay. I mean, maybe I'm using that incorrectly, but I feel like Primer is very high concept. And I feel like this movie tried to be that. It mm. tried to be very cerebral and very, but it fell short in a lot of ways. So that made me feel like it was lacking when in actuality it might not have been but just the way it was presenting itself there felt like there should be so much more okay i hear you i mean there were a couple things and cool ideas but eh. oh. um uh rewatched duel oh uh this with the, steven the spielberg's with the truck. early yeah. film indeed fuck man i like that movie a that's lot. a good movie <laughs> Haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I remember thinking that's a pretty fucking good movie. You should watch it again. I should. I will. It's still so good. I believe you. <laughs> it's like really tense and really interesting. Um, went and saw. Uh, speaking of, I don't know why I didn't bring it up earlier. In IMAX, we saw Fate of the Furious. <laughs> and now, what did you think? I've. I think I fell back like three movies, so I don't know where we're at with it. But what were your thoughts on? F8. Um, I so I like f- the Furious movies, um, in spite of Vin Diesel's um, presence in them. Like, okay. So I don't I don't particularly enjoy him. I really never have. Which is why now, Part Two see, is your favorite one. Yeah, probably. I like <gasps> Part Two. Remember we covered them? And like yes. Two, to me, I'm like Two was fun. I don't get it. All the other ones aren't nearly as much fun as Two. You just you just fucking broke this case wide open. I did. Um. I just don't enjoy him in any capacity. So the crux of this movie is that, I mean, you could probably tell from the trailers, he's supposed to, like, go rogue, you know? Okay. Um, What that results in is a separation of the two groups. Like, he is doing his thing, and then everybody else is doing... his family is doing something else, right? Exactly. So when he's he's on screen, it's kind of just him. And I'm like, oh, no. This needs to stop fast. (laughs) How are Charlize Theron's uh, braids? Or dreads. Uh, she she was tr- she was trying, but it really felt like they didn't they didn't give her much to do. Absolutely. She leaned in and whispered a lot. Um, <laughs> but like I love her, and I love I love The Rock, and I love um, Jason uh, Statham. I Jace, yes, Statham's in it. He he was good. There's cute stuff with him, and I'm not like predisposed to enjoy him or dislike him. But like it was it was still fun it, for me though. The last two. Um, Fast and Furious mm-hmm. installments have been really good, and this one wasn't as good. Okay. Yeah, um, that's right. I really liked five, but I have not yet seen six or seven. Yeah, I think I like. I think I liked five, six, and seven. Now that you mentioned five, I could also so be I misremembering like which one is which because to me they all blur into one. I think I liked two and three. Didn't like four. And then five, six, and seven were like, yes, this is these. These are great movies. And then. Eight happened. Okay, so this one falls like in the lower realm for you. 
Yeah, kind of. Um, but like, there's still like, there's some funny stuff. And when there, you know, are certain people on screen hamming it up, sure. being funny and goofy, it really works. But like, when it's super serious family stuff, which this one was very heavy in, you're like, okay. You know, honestly, it. all this talk just makes me want to sit down and watch Super Fast again. <laughs> you do love that. I movie. do love that, guys. I'm not kidding. Most of you have already heard me talk about it like 12 times over the course of yep. three years, but it is streaming on Netflix. It is called Super Fast with an exclamation point. It is a plain old parody of the Fast and the Furious movies, and it should be terrible. But by God, it makes me really happy, and I loved it so much that I laughed so hard at the gym and I pulled my back watching it. So (laughs) I recommend it to everybody as long as you are not on the elliptical while you're watching it. That's a good endorsement. You know, it should have been on the back of the DVD cover, but you know, they didn't call me. What can you do? Don't operate heavy machinery. Yes. While watching. Um, I only have a couple more. Um, Watch Return of the Living Dead 3. Because I had never seen it. How does that one hold up? I haven't seen that since I'm a ki- since I was a kid, and I know um, again, mixed. Some people love that one. Yeah, I, I, okay. So I really like the first two, like a lot, a lot. The second, the second Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite. That's the one movies. I grew up with more than the first one. So even though I know people make a lot of cases against it and say like it's just repeating the first one but without the charm like i hear that but it also has get the dang screwdriver out of my head no there's there's the, i really really like that second one um a lot and i lo- of course i love the first one the first one's iconic yeah. you know but i'd never seen this so the third one so there's for me going into it without much nostalgia like i didn't have nostalgia for it like i re- i know the dvd cover or the yeah. vhs cover yeah. like that was it's burning in my brain but i never actually watched it um i was a little bit bored by it i it wasn't it wasn't goofy enough like there were it's you could tell that they were trying to be funny and over the top with some of the stuff but you know the 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 first one like gives into that so thoroughly that you are living in a world where all these things seem natural and in this it kind of felt like 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 it was just jammed in there like sort of like the reverse of like evil dead where it starts off pretty serious but like there's some lightness then evil dead 2 is pretty gonzo and then by evil dead 3 it's like no we're a comedy yeah return of the dead sort of does that like in a weird order it, no, that's a really that's a really good observation. So while I didn't dis, I would never say I didn't like that movie. It was bad. It just maybe isn't where I'm at right now. Like sure. I, I if I want that brand, I will watch the earlier two and get that like with 100 percent success. Right. Where this is this is kind of failing. So um, my question to you though is, have you seen the other ones like Necropolis and I want Rachel yeah Grace? one of them actually maybe one and a half of them. I think they because mm-hmm. they used to I think they were either made for or aired on Sci-Fi Channel right? like back yeah. to back. Definitely one of them was. They were also filmed at the same. I was going to say, apparently. and it's all the same kind of like the part two in a way where it's like a bunch of the same actors but in different parts. And I remember it distinctly because there's, like, a girl in one of the movie. In the first movie, she's really nerdy. And in, like, movie two, I think she's kind of, like, sexy. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember having them kind of on in the background and being like, they're stupid, but what the hell? They're made for sci-fi zombie movies. They're mm-hmm. kind of fun. And maybe I had, like, just watched the House of the Dead movies, which are pretty bad. So I was like, yeah, yeah. these are fine. Uh, I know some people hate them with fury. So... 
I can't speak to whether my huh. opinion I'm, is like validated or not, but I remember thinking, eh, they're I'm not sh- terrible. I'm struggling with whether or not to become a, you know, completist Completed. on these. Yeah. So now I really want to see them. But then I have, I've obviously seen Survival of the Dead. Like, I, sometimes you don't need to do that. Right. You don't need to go that far. Yeah, I, I do understand. And it's, it's a hard decision sometimes to think, am I being loyal to a brand or am I going to hurt the brand in my estimation by doing it? Yeah. I remember them being stupid, but I expected them to be stupid. And I think they kind of embrace <laughs> the stupidity and that was fine. But again, yeah. I know people yeah. that are like, oh, they're the worst things ever. Now, granted, those people probably haven't seen half the shit that we've seen. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll look into it. Yeah. Or if they're easy or to find, I, I would say don't invest like money in them. But like if they show up, give them a try. Yeah. And if you, if you make it through okay. a half hour okay. and you're like, nope, then just walk away. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. can always shut it off. That's I have right. a hard time doing that. Yeah. Um, so I watched The Hand. It's an Oliver Stone movie. I think I have that about, on DVD somewhere, but I've never watched about it. About a hand? It, I know it's about a hand. It's batshit. It's so good. Somebody really good is in that, right? It's the craziest movie. <laughs> like, the cast is good, isn't it? You should watch it. Who's in it? Other than a hand. Who plays the hand? Can you hear me? Are you you cut out weird. Okay. But ah, but we're back. We're back. I haven't figured out and, oh I should say anybody who listened to the last episode and thought why is the music suddenly playing again? Yeah, guys, I'm on a new computer and I haven't quite mastered GarageBand yet, so bear with us, please. Michael Caine is a hand. Is that's that what you it. That's me? it. I knew somebody cool was in it. Yes. <laughs> I, I heard some of that question. It's it's really, 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 really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm I think... so glad I watched it. Do I have it there? I'm trying... The Hannibal... Would it be alphabetically before or after Hannibal? Hannah... It should be before, right? I thought I had it on DVD, but I'm not seeing it in my shelf. But the light is catching things weird, so I could be wrong. I don't know. I'll watch it well, someday. I- that's a recommend from me. I thought cool. it, I, I was like, didn't know what I was getting myself into. And it was, it's, it's just really wild. It's a wild movie. Um, <laughs> I watched Eye in the Sky, which I didn't like. That is Helen Eye Mirren, in the Sky. What is Eye in the Sky? Um, it's super serious about drones and terrorism. Um, Helen Mirren and Aaron Paul. It came out like last year, I think. Ooh, I've, it sounds like something I have not even heard of. But it... Yeah, I got, it was playing at like the slightly less wide release theater that was near our house okay. and we, I, I wanted to see it because I like Helen Mirren sure um, and I, I saw it was at the library just sitting there so I grabbed it um, I, I couldn't I have nothing to say about it I hated it so interesting no, no need All right. um, last night we watched Spectre uh-huh okay what'd you think um, I don't know why I think one day I'll put on a James Bond movie and like it <laughs> have you you don't like any of them um Casino Royale you didn't uh-huh. like Oh, Casino Royale is watchable, it's, it's, for sure. Casino Royale was, of all the Bonds, easily it's my favorite of the Daniel Craig, but I, it's, like, one of my oh, favorite of all of them. Without a doubt of the Daniel Craig. Yeah. I think I'm I'm the one person that really did not like Skyfall. Like, I had a lot of problems <laughs> with Skyfall. I see it twice, too. I just, I thought Sky, when I look at Skyfall compared to Casino Royale, to me, is great. It is, the dialogue is fantastic, uh, I love that um, him and, is it Ava Green? 
like they have this great mm-hmm. rapport she's like they let her be really witty and like she's a great character the action scenes are great and what it does like my complaint about all the Bond movies is that they go on too long and that movie is great because it like you think it's going on too long and then you're like oh no something different happened this makes sense we need another mm-hmm. 10 minutes of this and Skyfall mm-hmm. I thought was like it was okay but then you get to that end and it's suddenly about a half hour of stuff I don't really care about uh, Spectre, mm-hmm. I had huge problems with Spectre. I, I, I mean, of course, so there's, like, older, the, like, the kind of funny ones, you know, with the shark and Oh, all yeah, that I, stuff. I also love, like, Roger Moore is my favorite Bond, and I know like that's... Like, those movies... Because they're fun, they're stupid fun. They're fun, and they're, like, they're, they're a different thing. Yes, very much. For as far as, like, m- like, modern Bond movies, I only think of the Daniel Craig ones, and I have seen them, and I always expect them to be, like, these like revelations of this mm. genre of movie and like with the best fight scenes in the best set pieces and the best like villains right. and twists and they never are and i don't know why i have that expectation of them i guess because it's such a pervasive brand say, at this point that i feel like they the best yeah and they and they aren't and then this one wasn't good i don't know no. why oh, it, it was so like many two problems. hours and it's so long it feels so long the the yeah the issue i had with it was it makes such a big deal of his romance and i yeah. felt oh. nothing between the two of them oh, and then they're they're dropping i love you's after like yeah. 10 minutes and she and like not to play the game but like she's so much younger than him yeah, in that yeah. movie and granted he's yeah. daniel craig he's an adonis like i get it hey if daniel craig at 60 tried to woo me at 20 i'd probably be into it but <laughs> like the difference is so glaring because it just feels mismatched especially when you have um monica bellucci there who of course yeah. comes out like a goddess and I, I love that you know she's probably older than him and they just let her be sexy she's fucking Mon- monica bellucci sexiest woman alive but, like, you look at that, you're like, dude, Monica Bellucci on one hand and this young French woman on the other hand, what are you thinking? Like, you are making the wrong decision here. And so there's, like, all this weight to this romance that I have no investment in. They waste, um, oh, my God, what's his name? Uh, Christoph Waltz is kind of kind of wasted. I know. The best he's barely thing, in it. He's barely in it, and they don't define him well, and it's just kind of a... Uh, just uh, the the best thing in it is um Ben Wishaw as Q. Oh, I know he's right? great. Yes, and he's not even in it enough to justify nope. the two hours and twenty minutes yep. of my life. Nope, nope, not at all. And the so, one good yeah. thing is that like in the movie is kind of you're like okay this is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie and that works and yeah this is the end for him. He looks tired and annoyed in that movie. He looks like yes, he, he just wants to eat a fucking cupcake the entire movie. That he has been on this, like, strict diet regime to maintain his physique. And you can tell the day they wrapped, he was like, bring me my cheese fries and bring them to me now. Mm-hmm. And then there started to be rumors that he was might come back for another Bond film. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Why are you going to keep doing it with him? Mm-hmm. So I hope that doesn't I, I happen. Got that, I got that vibe, too. Yeah. He just, he looks tired. And you get it. Like... If I had to work out that much and film this one movie five times for like six months, knowing how good of an actor I am and that I'd want to do all these like different parts. And remember, what was, um, was it Dream Home or Dream House? Dream House. Yeah. The movie that he's in where like, clearly he filmed it 
during a Bond hiatus, and he's so miscast in it because he looks like Bond when he shouldn't. Yeah. And you know it's because, well, you can't ask this actor to, like, put on weight when he has to get back into ridiculous human being shape in two months for, for to start filming the next movie. Mm-hmm. So just free Daniel Craig is what I'm saying. I I agree with you, man. Um, final thing, I'll be really quick because I don't actually want to talk about it. I just <laughs> want to see if you've seen it. Have you seen The Void yet? No, I have not, but I've heard okay. everybody been talking about it. Everybody have been talking about it. Where you fall on it. Um, I say, when I say I think I need to see something again, it's usually because I don't trust my original instinct that I didn't like something. Okay. I didn't like it. Interesting. Okay. But I would, to, enable to, to be able to articulate it in, in a way that makes me sound like I'm not just being negative, I mm-hmm. need to see it again. But once you see it, I, I want to talk to you about I it. I will tell you. I, I know nothing about it except that everybody on Facebook is talking about it. And Same. Has, me too. Yeah, very intense. Because is it, like, anybody behind it that we know? Is it, like... Um, the dudes, it's a duo. I looked into it a little bit. It's a duo. One of them seems to do makeup and one of them seems to do art direction. Okay. But they've done it on some pretty big fucking movies. Okay. Um, they've written and directed other stuff together as well nothing that stood out to me as something I knew though it seems like they had a pretty big crowdfunding campaign for it because in the credits I saw a million people's names I know ah that that is a sign certainly so I think oh also speaking of that before we move on I needed to talk to you about the Christmas that almost wasn't but (gasps) oh my um, god okay but yeah you should watch it and tell me what you think because I'm curious I I, the ideas in it were fucking awesome and I want to know why I didn't like it more with those ideas. Okay, I'm looking at them, and one of the guys, uh, I guess they did a segment in ABCs of Death 2, yeah. and they did Father's Day, which I did not see. And I oh, remember, yeah, I didn't see that either. Yeah, there were, like, wildly different opinions on Father's Day. Um, yeah, that's most of what they've done. So I will tell you when I get to it, because I feel it's one of those movies now I feel like I have to watch, because everybody has an opinion on it, and I feel left yeah. out. Yeah. All right, so what do you want to say about the Christmas? It almost wasn't! So I watched the Rift Tracks episode. Do you mean the Mystery Science Hero 3000 episode? Oh, yeah, sorry. My God, bite where, your tongue, Christine Makepeace. God. Sorry, God. I don't know where I am. I don't know who Clearly, who, who I, I should edit that out so people don't send us hate mail to an unknown you know, address. somebody sent me a nice email that, and said they listen to this show Aww. and live here. So Aww. apparently somebody listens to this show. Yay! <laughs> so I'm sorry that I said I'm sorry that I said riff tracks instead of mystery science. That person Theater. is never going to send um, you but, mail so again. So I've been we've been watching them occasionally. Just I'm I'm I liked mystery science theater quite a bit when I was when I was a lot younger. Um, there's been different iterations of it though, and of I've course. never been a, a, a big enough follower of it to to understand or know what iteration I was watching. I can. I, I, I liked it, though, and I laughed at it, and it definitely was a gateway to me for movies that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Like, the, the, just the idea that there were movies out there that I didn't know existed was an interesting thing to realize as a kid um, or a younger teenager. But, so we've been watching them. The Avalanche episode is fucking great. Oh, my God, that um, one's so great. It's so good. But, so the first one we watched, obviously, we skipped all the way to the Christmas that almost wasn't. Because, and I didn't tell Zach either. I just said, like, oh, I heard about this episode. We have to watch it. So he hates that movie. And he hates it so much. So we, we, were, we watched that episode, and it was, it was sublime. Oh, I can't it wait. Was, 
it was the most wonderful thing I've oh. ever seen in my life. I, I'm going in order. Um, for, first of all, I was a huge MST3K fan. Like, I, I would say if I was to make a list of, like, events in pop culture and different, you know, TV shows and everything that influenced my life, MST is might be number one. Like, it's way mm-hmm. up there. Uh, so I have been, like giddy and excited and we've watched we just watched one like right before we're recording we just watched the cowboy one um we're watching them in order so i think we're five episodes in and it killed me that the christmas it almost wasn't which when i found out they were covering that it was from an interview i I listened to with joel hodgson on the b movies podcast and i saw i'm like oh my god because in the interview like there they didn't mention it but there was like pictures in the interview so i was reading it and I see a picture of the Christmas at home. It wasn't. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're doing it. They're doing it. They're really doing it. And they, they did it. But it's like episode mm-hmm. 13. And I can't, like, bring myself to jump ahead because I feel like that's cheating. And something so wonderful I really, like, should earn. Um, so I'm really, really excited for that because I've been loving it. I think this um, – all the – not – I mean, obviously not every joke hits because some jokes you don't get. And that's the beauty yeah. of it is that, like – like we were saying like there's some such random regional jokes or uh really obscure jokes that are going to go over a lot of people's heads just from not having that context or that reference mm-hmm. and it's great when you have a show that has 800 jokes in it that's okay because you don't have to get everything you don't have to get everything exactly um i'm i'm glad you waited you're waiting wait all you all you want i might actually watch it again okay that's good it's because so, I have, I hate that fucking movie so much. <laughs> but for and those who don't know, we covered it on our show like two years ago, and Christine was very angry at me. I hate it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So this this episode is even it's it's great for two reasons because it's funny and validating when someone else hates the same things <laughs> you did. But also, they, they're finding new things to dislike Ooh. that I didn't even think of. <laughs> so there's been, there were things that they picked up on or picked out or saw in the background of scenes that I didn't see. That's so fucking funny. That is wildly exciting. <sighs> so, yes. I just hope um, I don't die before I get to watch that episode. <sighs> I know that yeah. was a dark comment to make, yeah, but it's that really a, true. That was a weird place to end it. <laughs> like, please, um, please, uh, nature, don't give me some kind of crazy sickness. Please, car, don't hit me. Um, please, world, don't end. Uh, which it becomes a more realistic question to ask every day of our lives now. Uh, but please, let me let me have that. Let me live let to have Emily that. Let Emily have this, please. everyone. Yeah. It was like when I bought tickets for Dolly Parton. And it was like two months away. I'm like, oh my god, I have to survive these two months. I, I, I need, I need this. And I did, guys. I made it. So hopefully this time, two times a charm. All right, is that all? Uh, everything you've got? That is everything. Sorry, that was a lot. That's okay. People aren't going anywhere, and if they are, they just hit pause, and then That's they come true. back, and we're here again. That's how it works. Don't you worry. Uh, my list is very small. Uh, in part because we've watched a lot of MST, so that's been a lot of, like... Have you been enjoying it overall? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've been, like, from the first episode, took, like, a little time, maybe, but, like, once you hit that sort of, like, laughing point, you just, like, mm-hmm. kept laughing and kept giggling, and 
you know, again, I'm not laughing at every joke, but I'm laughing throughout 90 minutes and it ends and I feel good and I yeah. wait after the credits for the stinger because that always makes me happy also. Um, so no, I'm I'm extremely happy with it and it just feels like as crappy as things in the world may be in some ways right now, like this is a good thing and this is renewing my faith in the world and humanity. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've been loving good. it. Yeah. Um, so what have I watched? On TCM recorded uh after watching feud on fx was kind Mm -hmm. of you know they've been i don't know if it's been because of that but i feel like they have been showing quite a few joan crawford and betty davis movies and one betty davis movie that i had not seen that they talk about in feud is called dead ringer which is about twins but it is not about twin gynecologists who um do weird things to women's genitals uh it is betty davis plays Uh, uh, First, she is this, like, wealthy twin who years ago basically tricked her twin sister's boyfriend into marrying her, kind of faked pregnancy. And so her twin sister, meanwhile, has kind of had a a sadder life and is, you know, about – she owns a bar and it's about to get taken away from her. So the sister decides, you know what? Fuck it. I – this is wrong. I'm tired of dealing with this. I am going to kill my sister stage it as her being me committing suicide and I'm going to go live her life with all of her money. Uh, And this, I think, is like 1964 or so. So it's right after Baby Jane. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I'm guessing it was still... I I didn't check it. It just felt like it was still kind of haze code within the confines of that. Mm -hmm. Because what it... It's a really interesting kind of moral dilemma Because what you find out, so from the beginning, this character, Betty Davis's character, is a murderer, but you're kind of on her side because her sister was a real cunt. And (laughs) you're like totally with her. And part of it, I'm not going to lie, is that like the sister had a dog, has like this great Dane that was her husband's dog, and the dog hates her. But then when Betty Davis, as like murderous sister, like comes and takes over the life, one of the things that's a giveaway is that the dog loves her. And so, therefore, instantly, I'm like, well, honestly, like, if a dog doesn't like someone, I kind of, like, distrust that person. So, right Mm -hmm. away, I'm on Betty Davis 2's side. Uh, And, like, you do feel for her, because you find out that her sister was a horrible person. And this isn't really spoiling anything, but her sister killed her husband. So, then, what what happens is that suddenly Betty Davis now, Betty Davis 2, becomes a suspect of murdering her husband, but that's not the murder she committed, but she did commit a different murder. So it's, it's an interesting, the way it kind of morally dives around things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if it was made 10 years later, it would have had a different ending and it would have uh, accepted that Betty Davis too could kill somebody and still be the hero of the movie. But I think because of its timing, it didn't do that. Um, so it was enjoyable. Uh, Carl Malden is also in it as a very sympathetic police officer. Uh, and it's Betty Davis is is a screen goddess and is wonderful to watch. And it's it's worth watching, especially if you're just kind of curious to watch more Betty Davis movies. This probably wasn't her best movie by any means, but she's great in it. And it's a pretty mm-hmm. interesting uh, little like, kind of moral piece, I guess. Uh, another movie I recorded off of TCM was Panic in the Year Zero, which is a very early uh, kind of post-apocalyptic movie where stuff is kind of stuff has gone off, 
And one family, it's kind of about them dealing with it. Frankie Avalon plays uh, the son of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had heard about this movie forever. I had um, sought it out because it was just one of those kind of considered like one of the first sort of... Well, yeah, that's your genre. Movies. Yeah, and this one was kind of dull. I don't know. It Maybe it's just because it couldn't go too far, I guess, in some ways. And I'm used to my post-apocalyptic movies getting really dirty. Uh, and because this is like 1952 or somewhere around there, it's fairly tame. Um, I was I was somewhat disappointed in it, I guess. Um, also watched from 1970, early 70s, Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. Never seen it. I think you would enjoy it. Really? Yeah. It is a so 70-something Italian film. George Eastman is in it, but like it's really subdued George Eastman. Which oh, is interesting. Because uh, it is about this photographer, this young woman, who um, is awesome because she's like really independent and modern and uh, again, she saves a dog in the first scene, so I really like her right from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sort of catches the eye of Baba, y- Baba Yaga, who is this witch vampire thing. The movie involves a porcelain doll dressed like a dominatrix who then comes to life and is a evil henchwoman. Mm-hmm. All of these things are making it sound like the best movie ever, I realize. Yes. Uh, it's it's a little slow. Yeah. The pacing is weird. It weird was, good or weird not good? I would say weird not good for the pacing. Okay. Um, I watched it while I was doing a few things. Like, I had it on, and I was maybe, like, um, writing some emails or doing, like, something on my computer where I was focusing on it, but I wasn't, like, lights off, glued to screen. Mm-hmm. And in an, in its weird way, I think that was actually, I think if I had done it the other way, I think I might have been bored. Yeah. But because I was sort of watching it, you know, and then kind of looking back to my computer screen and watching it, it actually helped it, I think, because then I wasn't bothered by the pacing so much. Um, it is worth watching. I don't know that it's streaming anywhere. I had gotten it off of Netflix, and it's a blue underground disc, so it's got, like, a lot of interviews and everything else on there. And a lot of the imagery is really cool. Uh, it is very much a female story, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. You know, the vampire or the witch is a woman, and her hench her henchwoman is a woman, and her target and the hero of the film is a woman. And huh, It's like Supergirl. Oh my god, it is. It is like Supergirl. I don't know why that popped into my head. Only 9,000 times better than Supergirl. (laughs) So I think you would dig it. I do. I don't know that everybody would dig it. I think some people would find it boring. But it was... It was cool. And ultimately, like, I didn't love it. And I think there's, like, things in that movie that should make me love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it it just, again, the pacing just kind of didn't quite click with me. But... I liked it a lot. There's a lot in it to admire. So I would recommend it. Certainly oh, to okay. you and probably to a lot of people. I will le- put it on my list. You should. Okay. I also watched... Um, I had told you last time that I was going to be on a Projection Booth episode, which will be released, I think, in like a week or two. And so I did finally get to watch the 1984 version of 1984, mm-hmm. which is directed by Michael Radford and stars John Hurt. Uh, and that movie's really good. I don't know if you've ever seen the film adaptation. There's been a no. few, but like the 19, the big one, which is the one they did in 84, it's, it makes so many really smart decisions. And I, I, I'm a sucker for adaptations. I'm, 
as much as they can sometimes frustrate me, I am always really fascinated by how does a filmmaker turn a book into a movie? What decisions does he or she make? What do Mm -hmm. they cut? What do they, you know, what do they bring in? Like, how do they use film differently to tell a story from the page? And 1984 does a really cool thing because it's very, it, it understands so much of the book and that it doesn't need to add much to it and it doesn't need to be flashy and it doesn't need to set it in this crazy future and use crazy visuals because that's not what it needs but it uses so many things so well the art direction of that movie is stunning and perfect um the performances are great john hurts could not be better cast in that movie Mm -hmm. and the some of the images that it gets that aren't directly from the book. Some of the decisions, just the way they kind of have characters like make this hand signal for their love of Big Brother and all this stuff really is exactly what a film adaptation should do. It is bringing a novel to a visual medium and it does it Mm -hmm. really, really well. And um, it's all, it's Roger Deakins cinematography. So of course it looks amazing, but it's, it's well worth watching if, I mean, except for the fact that it's really depressing and kind of horrifying and way too relevant right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That episode, I think, is coming out like in early May. And you'll hear like so much of it devolves into us just saying like, it's me, it's it's Mike White um, and it's uh, Sam Dane, who I think you know, you might know. I think she um, was uh, another podcaster. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. She is a fan of yours. Uh, So hi, Sam, if you're listening. But it, so much of it devolves into us just being like, yeah, kind of like today. Kind of like what Trump just said last week. Because uh, yeah. you can't not. It's horrifying. Um, so don't maybe don't watch it because it's really upsetting if you have any uh, awareness of the world right now. But Or do, because it's good. Uh, two more movies. One. <laughs> okay. So, um, as you know, I really, I use Netflix, both DVDs and Instant Watch. And for movies that seem like they're hard to find, I put them at the top of my queue. I have, a, like, a really long saved queue on Netflix. Movies go into mm-hmm. the saved queue when they're no longer available as DVDs. But occasionally, the movies in the saved queue go on Instant Watch because they get the streaming rights to them. And that was the case with 1975's La Bette, or The Beast in English, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no memory of when I put this on my queue, but I know, like, I must have read about it because it is a sort of adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, and it's considered like an erotic horror film. It's really not a horror film. It's more like a, a porn, and like, and like, Brandon's like, "Oh, is it like a softcore porn?" I'm like, "No," because you see penises and you see a lot of liquids, but it's not like a straight out porn film. Um. Here's the thing about Netflix. They've made it easy to download movies on your phone, which is great because then you don't have to use your data when you're watching them. And so I watch, I start watching this movie on the bus and I stop very quickly because I realize there's like, not a good bus movie. And then I get, so then I'm at the gym and I'm on the elliptical and I'm like, you know, like nobody can really see what I'm watching here. Like everybody's like moving, right? Like you're on an elliptical, you're moving quickly. The person next to you certainly shouldn't be like looking at what you're doing because it's too hard to look at. So I try to have it on because I have like 20 minutes left of the movie. So I'm like, ah, perfect. I'm going to finish my workout in 20 minutes. And I'm trying. And after three minutes of a woman masturbating with a rose and me constantly like seeing that the woman next to me on the elliptical kept like eyeballing it and looking at me and eyeballing it and looking at me. I'm like, God damn it. Fine. I guess I'll just watch Friday Night Lights. 
Uh, I did finally get to finish the film. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, I would be very curious for you to watch it because I think you would have an interesting perspective on it. And it's maybe a type of movie that you're more familiar with than I am. <laughs> you said that in such a classy way. Well, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not just saying like, oh, because, you know, I like you're an expert on porn. But also just that <laughs> I don't know the history of porn much. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, must be probably historically somewhat interesting because it's 1975. It is a narrative film and it's not presented. I mean, granted, the opening shot is an erect horse penis, but it's not like there's no very, well, very few. Like there's one. There's not many um, payoff shots, if you will. Mm-hmm. And like there is like sensuality to it. And it's, you know, there's all these like a beast having sex with a woman. The beast looks like Splinter from the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, by the way, oh, which is kind of cute. Except mm-hmm. he has an enormous penis, which maybe well, we Splinter don't know did. anything we don't about know. Splinter. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just it's odd because it like also is it's pretty funny. Like it's kind of making fun, I think, of French aristocracy. Um, but I really like I don't know what it was saying. I don't know if it was trying to say anything or be anything other than sort of this like hybrid porn comedy fantasy I don't know so it just seemed like watching this I'm like I feel like there's something I I don't understand around it like I don't know why Mm -hmm. this movie exists as it does why wasn't this just a straight out weird porno of a woman having sex with a beast like that that would have I would have understood that better than wrapping it around the story of you know a character that wasn't baptized and uh, you know the French aristocracy and all this stuff. So, what year was this? 1975. It is yeah, French. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely would like to see it because I'm formulating a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. and I, I, I would like to. Yeah, it is on Netflix or, Instant. It's on there. It's shocking to me. As yeah, well. look up either the Beast or La Bette. I'm not sure okay. how it's pronounced or how it's I'm, spelled. I'm adding okay. that to my good. I'm, well. I'll be really curious. And then the last thing I watched, um, which was not the best idea to watch before going to work, but I'm like, oh, good, this is only 40 minutes long, so it's good for, like, my commute. This I watched The White Helmets, which is the short documentary that I think won the Oscar this year for documentary short. Mm-hmm. And this is about um, civilian volunteers in Syria who uh, essentially, when bombs go off, which happens quite often there, they essentially are the first guys into the rubble to go and try to save people and these are men who have lost people men who have saved people um they are all total civilians they are tailors and factory workers and so on they all have their own families they go like once every few months they go to turkey for training um but essentially they are just you know regular people who uh risk their lives to help others and man, this is moving and really upsetting, um, but also very life affirming because you ultimately mm-hmm. see that as awful as things are and as thousands of people are dying every day, here are hundreds of people who have who are putting their lives at risk to do what they can to help people. Um, and yeah, there's like a, a scene where they uh, they they 
they save a baby. There is a new, uh, like a two-week-old baby, and they hear it crying, and you think, oh my god, it's it's not going to make it, and it does. And then later on in the movie, there's the, the baby now is like two years old, and I lost it, and I'm like, well, I hope my mascara doesn't run today Aww. on the way to work. Uh, so it's not a light watch, um, yeah. but as much as it is a depressing story, and the fact that the state of the world is kind of depressing, uh, it is also a great story to see and to kind of get another side to it of there are these, you know, amazing heroes in this world who are uh, putting their lives at risk. So give it a go. It is on Netflix. Um, Okay. Yeah. That's all I've got. Pretty solid list. Yeah. You know, small, but solid. Kind of, kind of like me, if you will. (laughs) I never, I'd never describe you that way. I'm not solid at all. All right. (laughs) So uh, which movie do you want to talk about first? Ah, let's go with the skeptic. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about Tim Daly is the skeptic. have a really hard time believing that Uh, this movie apparently was written no it was like made or filmed in 2005 sat on a shelf for a few years if you can believe that i have a very easy time believing that uh but was written like in the 1980s which makes more sense the skeptic directed and written by a man named tennyson bardwell which is a fantastic name, if you ask An me. amazing name. Tennyson. Tennyson, how is your movie coming along? Uh, uh, I, I like to imagine stories of him and his own aunt. Sadly, not on Twitter. Oh, what's... I looked. I'm not surprised. I feel like he's on like some version of Microsoft Word that he thinks is Twitter. I just get <laughs> the feeling... So here's the thing about this movie. Christine said, let's talk about... Have you ever heard of this movie called The Skeptic? And I said, yes, actually... Because I had watched it and written about it, uh, how many years ago? It would have been 2014, mm-hmm. which is really not that long ago. And I remember thinking, I remember watching that. I remember remembering nothing about that movie. I think you're missing out. You're missing some of the best parts of that interaction. We were trying to figure out a time, and I said, there's this movie that I can't wait to talk about and it's so great and i love it so much and you were like oh i've seen that and i didn't like it (laughs) oh no okay i think i just shared the link of my blog entry with you on it um i said i rented this really bizarre movie with tim daly that was sort of amazing that sounds promising i would love to talk about it with you it's called the skeptic and then you (laughs) sent me a link that was me not being pleased with it <laughs> but i said that was two and a half years ago yeah that's true uh, now i will say um because i'll get to what this movie what this movie kind of reminds me of but the title of my post about that movie will allow me to be a little you know to brag i called mm-hmm. it very murder good. she snoozed 
because <laughs> I thought I was really <laughs> clever in 2014. Very clever. Uh, well, so first of all, how did you find this movie? What led you to it? I can tell you what led um, me to it was it was going off of Netflix Instant Watch. So I'm like, oh, let me watch this movie before it goes off Instant Watch. And then I watched it and I'm like, man, I wonder what else I could have watched that went off Instant Watch. Fate drew me to this movie. Okay, um, tell me no, about I Fate. Was- I was in no, I was in the in the video store, and we were in the horror, you know, supernatural section, okay. and um, I, we we just try to pick a movie. We sure. each pick a movie, and it can be something that we've always wanted to see, or something that we've just been in the mood to see, or something that we've never heard of. So I was I don't know what I I was gonna pick Dark Water because ah. I talk about it, the the American version I talk about it too much and I was like I'm gonna pick this and Zach rolled his eyes at me and he said you don't <laughs> actually like that movie you like where it's set because it's on Roosevelt Island. Island and I said you know what I don't like that you really just called me on all that shit so I said fuck it let's just get this instead and I pulled the skeptic <laughs> off the shelf and I was like oh wait this actually this is crazy Tim Daly but also Zoe Saldana Zoe and Tom Arnold and Edward Herman. What the fuck movie is this? So um, he said, "Oh, get it." And I was like, "Okay." Uh, we thought it was going to be okay. So that's how we went into it. We thought it was okay. going to be a fucking joke, like a shitty joke movie that was pure garbage that we were going to yell through the entire time. <laughs> it's not that. I would never say it's that. It's not that. <laughs> it's a movie. All right. So um, no, because I. Okay, but first, let's start off. Tell people about this movie. What is this movie about? Other than it being about a skeptic. And man, does the movie drill into you that he's a skeptic. You know what? I'm a skeptic. (laughs) So you really Um, identify with Tim Daly in this movie. I really really liked him a lot. Okay, so this movie is about a guy who is, like, estranged from his family to varying degrees, and he's also having a tough time with his with, with his marriage. And then his But it seems aunt... like that's all, like, his decision. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, like, he's just a jerk. To, she seemed to be a little much, though, honestly. The, the funny thing is, no one is, in this movie is particularly likable, but no. I like everybody. Okay. Um, so he, his aunt dies, I think it's his aunt, yep. and she leaves him this house. Well, or does she? Or does she? He thinks she left him this house because he was her only living relative. Yeah, but, so he's like, I'm gonna go live in this house, and then you find out, like, oh, there, that's not what she had in the will, or whatever. So, like, all this weird shit starts happening in the house, and there's, like, rumblings of, like, well, it happened to her, she saw this stuff too, or, like, your grandfather or uncle died there or something. Like, so there's all this, like, supernatural stuff, but also there's these sleep studies or something. Well, because she didn't, so it turns out she left the house to um, this department, like, this research department who do sort of paranormal investigation. Yeah. Like, they do sleep studies, but, like, that's not really who she left it to. She left it to the paranormal people. So there, yeah. So he's like, I don't believe in any of this paranormal. I'm a skeptic, but like something's happening in this house. So he talks to like the priest. Like, there's lots of talking to things and finding things out, and like is like, and there's a bit of unreliable narrator to it. True, and it's it's so it's really a very simple movie that mostly takes place in this house. Um, it's a beautiful house. 
it's a beautiful house and and look it's not it doesn't it's got an ending that you can read stuff into or you can not or I mean I walked away from it feeling like I knew what happened but it's also like is there ghosts or aren't there you know and I'm a sucker for that shit okay um uh, and I liked this movie a lot <laughs> um I don't know what did did you not what did you think watching it again well you know it <sighs> It is a weird movie. It is a weird movie. Because this is a movie with no genre, which is kind of interesting. It is sort of presented, and I think my initial disappointment with it the first time I watched it was that it was sort of presented to me as a horror film, or at least a ghost story, like, you know, some kind <laughs> of haunted something. And so that's what I was expecting. And it's it it's not not that, but it's not that. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't The Haunting. This isn't Burnt Offerings. There, the ghost, if there is a ghost, is a becomes a very small part of it in a way, mm-hmm. um, because it's also about this asshole who is maybe learning some stuff from his past, and I do think he was more interesting this time. Or the first time I watched this, I was like, God, he's just a dick. I yeah. hate this guy. He's yeah. he, every every decision he makes is like made to be an asshole. Like he comes late to his to his aunt's funeral. Why? No reason to do that. Like, but he does. Like, mm-hmm. and and but like, I'm watching this time. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna just not like him because he's rude. Like, let me get past that. And he's, uh, I guess, when you you do look at it as, and then, I mean, Mike, I'm joking about how much the movie like bangs you over the head with how skeptical he is. He's very but skeptical. He's, like they were given one note, which is okay. This character doesn't believe in anything. And the first scene is him and Tom Arnold chit-chatting. And every single line of dialogue is Tom Arnold saying something about like, well, God, but you don't believe in God. And angels, you don't believe in angels. And uh, ghosts, you don't believe in ghosts. And every single, you know, every you get the sense that every conversation this man has ever had in his life is, yeah, I don't believe in that shit. So that still annoyed me the second time around. But it also does do something interesting where it really does take this man who the movie has established very firmly does not believe in ghosts or things like this and tests him to where, like, dude, crazy shit's happening. And in fairness, it's he's not doing that thing in a movie that a lot of characters do where he's like, hey, yeah, but uh, it's because of the wind and because of this. Like, no, you see him figure that out early on. Like, he finds us, he's like, oh, okay, I see. The wind blows this door. There's a weight here. That's That explains that. But then when other things happen, you see him kind of like, huh, can't really be skeptical about that. Uh, no real way of explaining that, huh? huh. Uh, and then Zoe Saldana shows up as a sort of psychic person? I guess. And their yeah. interactions are, are, it's strange, but it kind of works. Um, it like, but it has, it's like, so, I don't know, this movie is so weird. And it feels, it doesn't feel like a feature, and I think this was eventually like made through IFC films, but it feels like almost like it should have been made for Lifetime. And I don't say that like, just, you know, insultingly, it just, it feels like it belongs to, like, a even Hallmark has been doing these mysteries, right? Hallmark is now, mm-hmm. like, 
when they're not doing Christmas movies, they do all of these very kind of crowd-pleasing mystery films. It usually involves the same people that are in the Christmas movies, like Lori Laughlin and Kelly Martin, solving some kind of murder. And again, it's all very pretty. Everybody, you know, how it's solid, ends up okay. Nothing that serious happens. And, like, that's almost where this movie belongs, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh... And it does get into some pretty intense stuff where you learn, you know, essentially he's been, he's skeptical because he was sort of, some very traumatic things happened to him when he was a boy, and his father and his therapist did everything they could to kind of wash that out of him and not let him remember that. And so now, for whatever reason, it's all coming back to him, and he's sort of finally realizing he has to deal with it. And like that itself is is interesting, and it's it's that's done pretty well. It's just does it? I don't know. It's so weird how it all fits together and doesn't fit together. It, yeah, I don't know what what struck me most is I I wasn't I don't have any real notes about this the story as as like a bigger larger thing. What really struck out to me stuck out to me was how how Tim Daly and Tom Arnold, they were actually really funny and charming together. And like, there was like, they were, they had a lot of charisma and like, I was roped in immediately. And then the, the tense scary ish parts were actually tense. And it it was so effective in its characterizations, I guess, and it's tension building that I didn't even care if this, like what the story ended up being. If that makes any sense, I could see that. Yeah, um, because yeah, I'm trying to think of like I did of any complaints or any thoughts I had, you know, regarding the plot, and I don't really like. I thought Tim Daly was really good, and he was really freaked out a lot, and I, I guess I did like his journey of like not believing, and then like slowly, like, well, I, this is what it has to be, or I'm a fucking lunatic right, type right. of thing. Um, and I I liked that a lot, but there's there's like that mirror gag with the chair, um, and the shit with the doll, and like I I was like there is a great doll, and there's a Tim, Tim Daly has a great reaction to the doll where he's like ah! he he lost his mind. It was amazing. <laughs> I thought he did such a good job. He was playing for the cheap seats, like he was really going yeah. for it, and yeah. like I covered my face a couple times, like I got freaked out, and I guess that's. And again, this is me, like, kind of blaming the movie for not being what I kind of want it to be, which is not necessarily the movie's fault. But that there are good jump, like, the jump scares are actually really good. Even the very first one, the opening scene is a cop showing up to a dark house, which there's no reason why he doesn't turn the light on. But that that aside, that scene, there's a reveal that's actually like, ooh, like, okay, I'm into this. This is, we're, we're telling a cool ghost story. Great. And then you get a few of those, but that's not what the movie is aiming to be. So it's very strange. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I, I do kind of appreciate that, I guess. And the more, like, we're talking about it, the more I think I'm, you know, you're kind of selling me on, like, there's, yeah, there's some actually cool decisions in that. Um, but it was, for me, it was still frustrating. Just because, again, like, I don't know, I just couldn't get, like, my my head around what kind of movie I was watching. But again, guess, it's kind of cool that it wasn't quite like anything I've seen. Maybe. Yeah, I, I didn't. I had such such little 
in the realm of expectations going in that I anticipated Tim Daly just sucking and Tom Arnold being annoying and it being really clunky and stupid with stupid dialogue and dumb choices. And then when it, I was like, this is a movie that's like compelling. I was a hundred percent in because then it's all that stuff that starts to hit for me. Like he was really believable. A lot of it was just him alone reacting to things happening in the house. So that worked really well. Sure. It was like it was like a an unreliable narrator haunted house thing, and and I I I mean that's my bread and butter. I lo- I love that. It was really effective, and I I, I really liked Tom Arnold in it. He was really <laughs> really charismatic and like funny and shit. I was so surprised. Well, it's funny with Tom Arnold is one of those actors who. He's he. I mean, he is a certain type, and he is very good at a certain type, which is, yeah. you know, he's good as, like, your goofy neighbor or your goofy dad or, you know, your sidekick. Like, mm-hmm. he is good at that, at doing that. The problem I've seen usually with Tom Arnold is when a movie tries to overuse him or to put him in a role, you know, if, you know, imagine this movie with him playing the Tim Daly part. And in this, like, he's, yeah, no. he's used, he is used very well because he, he is a counterpart and, a, and an effective one to Tim Daly, who is this grump, who is this good looking shark of a lawyer who you get the sense is never late and knows every law and everybody kind of hates him. Like, judges probably hate him, but they always mm-hmm. rule in his favor because he's good at his job. And then there's Tom Arnold, who's kind of like his conscience in a bit, in a way. Yeah. And it, it does work. And I think it also maybe helps to anchor. Tim Daly with okay he's not it but like he can't be that much of a dick if he has a friend <laughs> yeah and like they they really it's their interactions are really funny and and cute because yeah Tim Daly is an asshole but like you can tell like he's he's it, his interactions with Tom Arnold makes him seem a lot more well-meaning and like not as completely deplorable as maybe he could have been sure yeah I'd agree uh, I do enjoy because I totally think this is what I would do um, when Tim Daly is playing mini golf with a glass of wine in this house. Mm-hmm. I dug that. I was like, "Ooh, I want to do that." If I ever was... inherit a mansion, I'm totally doing that. Him in that house were some of the best things. Just him alone in mm-hmm. that house were were great. And yeah, it was for me. It was just really interesting. And then so there is that whole like, is this really happening? question is is this house haunted or is he is he imagining things is there a reasonable explanation and it kind of i don't know how you felt about the end if you felt like it was clearly did you think it was um well huh well hmm, hmm, hmm. i think you're gonna say it was clearly not supernatural in the end um that's the way i chose to view it but I don't know if the movie was explicit in that. I think it. I think it did a very good job of be, of leaving it open ended, without like kind of chickening out. Which a lot. I think a mm-hmm. lot of open ended movie. I actually really like an effective open ending because I think that's there's something very powerful about saying like you could think of it this way or you can think of it that way. I'm going to let you decide, mm-hmm. and it depends on who you are with what kind of movie you ultimately left with. And I think this movie does, but but sometimes it can be kind of cheap where it does feel like they just didn't want to make a decision. I think this one does a good job where, yeah, you could take it as, because even, correct me if I'm wrong, is there a point where they say Zoe Saldana's car isn't there? 
Yes, yes. Okay. Which leads you to believe, well, maybe she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I think you could definitely take it as like, no, this was him finally grappling and coming to terms with what happened. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also even drops about he's ins- he, he has insomnia. His yes, whole life, he hasn't been sleeping. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of been on meds, but it's been very much. He goes to a doctor and tells the doctor, "Give me this prescription." So he's never dealt with things and kind of refuses to deal with things. And Edward Herman, which is always nice to see Edward Herman show up, even though he has too many letters in his name and I never spell them right. Uh, when he shows up, it's very much you kind of learn that like. Yeah, he never, for various reasons, never pushed Tim Daly to this and kind of accepted that, okay, you just want to take pills and forget everything, so that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, yeah, you've, you've kind of turned me around on this movie, I will say. <gasps> well, yeah, I mean, I could see why somebody might not like it, especially if they went into it with different expectations. Yeah, and or, the or... biggest thing to not do, don't go into this movie expecting a thriller. Because it's not yeah. that. Even though it has does have some good moments. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. And I would be hesitant to recommend it to a lot of people. But like, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like my experience with it was I found a, like a diamond in the rough. Like I hmm. picked something with a crappy DVD cover. Oh God, it's like such a, a floating photo- head cover. Photoshop to hell, yep. floating head DVD cover of, of a movie I had never heard of, and every person in it was was a shocking revelation. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? Um, and I was just so pleased with it. So, yeah. The priest also, the, his interactions with the priest were great. Yeah, I thought it had some snappy zippy dialogue did, that yeah. was delivered well. For the most part, Tim Daly really, like, I walked away from it thinking, is Tim Daly really good? Like, I'd <laughs> never, I'd never thought that before. He, I've liked him in things. I feel like he's shown up in TV a lot. Like, he yep. was on Sopranos and he had, like, a good arc playing kind of an asshole. I've seen him show up here and there. He was in Storm of the Century. Well, who was it in Storm of the Century? <laughs> I do not like that movie, although I've seen it three times. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just never had had been seeing him in the in the proper roles. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I liked I w- him on the Mindy Project. He was in the early seasons of that. Yeah, I don't know. Really, really good. So a big, big thumbs up from me. I I was just really surprised. All right. So you want to rate it? Yeah, sure. I don't think I have much to say. Like I said, it's not really about much. Like. It's a tiny little movie. You're right. It It is a very... And then I think, as we're talking, like, it makes sense now. Because they do, like, introduce these things, like the Sleep Slash Paranormal Institute. And the guy running it, and you're like, oh, okay, is he conning people? Or is he really a ghost hunter? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on there? But then the movie doesn't do anything with it, which I think for me was, like, kind of seemed frustrating. But now that we've kind of talked it out, I'm like, no, 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 because it has nothing to do with... This is all Tim Daly's story. And so mm-hmm. this is all about him dealing with all of this sh- this stuff in his life. And these are just things that maybe prodded him towards a certain place and a certain way of investigating it that he might not otherwise have done. And yeah. so the same thing makes sense. Cause I remember, and maybe I just never thought of it, but it was Zoe Saldana where you have this kind of interesting psychic young woman, like what's going on here? Is she, is she legit? Is she crazy? 
And yet the movie then just kind of all of a sudden she's gone. And you're like, well, what about her? But now that we're saying it, I'm like, maybe she wasn't there. Maybe she only existed for in somewhere else. And it kind of is an interesting way of saying, let's deal with this man's unre- uh, repressed memory. Yeah, like it It kind of like what my my kind of what my issue was with Split was. I thought it was one person's movie. It seemed like it was one person's movie. And then, oh, guess what? It, it doesn't, it's not, it's not yeah. really this person's movie. I like when, when the focus stays consistent. And I feel like the focus was laser pointed in this movie. Like, this is about this guy. We'll talk to other people. Other people will show up. But it will always be about this guy. Yeah, and his I, story. And I like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, you've turned me around on it. Woo! So, well done. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad you didn't find rewatching it to be a complete and total waste. No, by no means. Um, Because it was interesting. And again, I think, like, this is a movie I never would have rewatched, but let's say it was on TV and I would have, you know, rewatched it that way. I'm really glad I knew that you found something of interest in this because it made me say, okay, let me look at it again and see maybe I missed something or maybe, you know, it's kind of the ideal way to rewatch a movie. Like we were saying, when you were saying with The Void, how you feel like everybody's been talking about it in a way that makes you think, I need to see it again to really know where I stand. Yeah. Um, this was a case where that worked because it was like, okay, let me watch it again. All right, I made some decisions, but let, let's talk about it. And what do you know? You opened my eyes to some things I missed. So, Woo! Well done there, young lady. Well done. Oh, well, thanks. Quality of film. I'll go. Seven. Yeah, I was gonna go like six point five. Yeah, I was I was around around six point five, but I'm gonna go full seven. Okay. Um, quality of life. Seven point five. Oh, it's really hard for me. Um, because again, like before this, I probably would have said like five, four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I feel like I or felt like, if you will, that it was just a, such a middling movie. But you've, you know what? You've given me, you've shown me the power of re-examination, which is a really important <laughs> thing. So for that, uh, quality of life, I'll go, um, I'll go 6.5. Woo! All right. All right. Success. Indeed. We're going to take a break and um, go back to your old hunting grounds of Texas with the, te- no, no the, just Texas chain, chain, chainsaw, one word, 3D. You did it. Oh, yay. Dig that crazy chick. Oh, and short, short. And 13's sequel, prequel, something, something, something to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Came out in the theaters in 3D, yes. of course. Yes. Uh, I and saw it in 3D. Oh, did you saw it in 3D? Yes. Well then, were you scared when the chainsaw got thrown at you? No, it was a really poor use of 3D. Yeah, and when <laughs> you watch it on TV and it's not in 3D, it does not look good either. Correct. <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean the movie didn't. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. So, um, 
give me the synopsis of this movie. Christine. So, um, okay, I can give you the synopsis of this movie. So there is this this girl who is played by a woman who I adore. But, who is but, fucking beautiful. I can't say her name again. Ale- Alexandra even... Daddario. There you she go. She is gorgeous. I would throw myself in front of traffic for her. Yeah, unreasonably I, beautiful woman. Tremendous. And when she is cast properly, she's real, real good. She's can, she can be real, real good. I don't think she's great in this movie, but uh, you know, who among us are? Um, <laughs> sh- she will get me to watch something. I love her so fucking much. It makes me want to burn down a building. What is, I have not seen her in anything. I'm looking at her filmography. Uh... She's really good in True Detective. Okay. Um, I like her character a lot in that. She's not bad in San Andreas, to be honest with you. Um, again, but that movie is like held up by toothpicks. Like it, it, that, it, it's a movie. It's a disaster movie. So whatever. But um, I enjoy her thoroughly. She is tremendous. I've seen this movie I think four times now. Anyway, <laughs> so so her character is you know she's a little bit weird she works in a butcher shop she does art with bones in it i don't know and then we get a flashback scene okay let's talk about that in a little bit probably but then she inherits this house out of nowhere from this family she didn't even know she had because she was adopted i guess she finds that out yeah she finds that out she finds that out she the finds, hard way which is when she, she inherits the house from people yeah that she aren't finds out she family. was adopted um and then her and her boyfriend and her friend who is alex from lost yep um and some other dude decide to go in this little van thing that's very reminiscent of another van to um, this new house in Texas, and then there's something in the house. Hashtag Leatherface. <laughs> really, Hashtag spoiler alert! It's not, but I mean, the movie's about, I'm obviously Leatherface is in it. Yes. Like, well, because it, it opens the way, it, like, this is, it, in some ways, you could argue the most direct sequel to the first one. Exactly. I have so many fucking problems with this opening. Really? I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so stupid. Also, this movie goes out of its way to try to pretend that it's no year. It's, it, that, like, you know, that was something I was, because Brandon had, had seen it, and he was, had, like, saved his thoughts for after to tell me, and that was something that really bugged him. He's like, why didn't they just set it in 1995? I know. Or whenever it would have been 20 years after no. the first so, film. So the original happenings, you never know when they happened, and you don't know when this movie is. So is this movie in present day? Are well, we but it, that the I mean, the there's first movie. There's an iPhone. Like, like the cop has an iPhone. Yeah, you're right. So it is in present day. So, so, and they never show like on the gravestones. They don't show dates. They don't show dates, like, um, which I actually think is smart. I mean, I think it's their way of trying to not date the movie. And I'm, I don't know, because they. They want us to believe that Leatherface is still going to be, like, like young able and to able to run around, run around with, with this yeah. heavy chainsaw. And so I get that, but it, like, it was kind of a shit or get off the pot kind of thing for me. Like, she's That's going fair. through old newspapers. This story is so rooted in the past right. that the fact that they won't set it in any specific time period was maddening to me she was flipping through newspapers and they they just were like august 9th or yeah i noticed that too oh no year 
Like, come on, just fucking put a year on it. And Even also, if- I was bothered by like the whole thing. It was like August twentieth, August or August ninth, August ninth. But the newspaper was like the day that it happened. I'm like, no, no, no. It would have been the newspaper of the next day. Like, get that detail right. So it, yeah, and and just in no year, in year zero, this all happened. <laughs> so that bummed me out. It bothered me a little bit. Um, I forgive it because you know what? It's really hard to set and expensive to set a movie in the 90s let's say which is what it would have had to be it would have had to be set in like 1995 for it to make sense you're completely right or they could have just said look Leatherface is however absurd year old he is I he's just I just I don't know I I let that go maybe I'm just being easy on it because I think there's a lot of things about this movie I liked and I liked a lot of the decisions as far as structuring it (laughs) and I understand because I think you know if you start with the opening of the movie and you're saying like obviously it's the 70s because look at it although yeah. it's texas like that could have been like yesterday right that's how you guys still dress down there yeah obviously no i i i so the fact that they chose to do direct sequel to the first one i think is interesting personally i think it's an interesting take on it than to just they're trying to connect it to something which right. i i do appreciate um i think that being so tied to it they i mean we get footage from the the original like it is it exists in that universe i i get mad when it doesn't fully do that but that's fine okay so i let it go i let the year thing go even though i talk about it a hundred times every time i watch this movie but the (laughs) next thing is a glaring issue and it's yeah it's it's it is unfair to not point that out, that this movie should have made a decision. It doesn't, mm-hmm. out of kind of laziness, I think, and not wanting to have to put pretty actors, you know, wearing outfits that they would wear in the 90s, and then have to worry about references and technology and cars I, and all this what? stuff if, that's really if hard. They had, if they had set this in the 90s, I think that this might be my favorite movie ever made. Oh, it would have been awesome. Without question, um, it would have been awesome. If but, she had, like, the so, Rachel haircut, yeah. Yes, they already were doing weird stuff with her outfit. Her outfit was was bizarrely dated or undated. It was not. Yeah, I her, her outfit too. was not appropriate for modern day, but it was also not appropriate for anything throwbacky. It was weird, and it wasn't appropriate for like going to meet a lawyer and inheriting a house. It wasn't appropriate. Like you should for, wear like, a full shirt. Like I'm not like being like judgy, like woman judgy or anything, but I think you should wear a full shirt when you do that. I also don't understand a half shirt with long sleeves. Oh my god, I that drives me crazy. Chilly or wear shorts and sweaters. How? What? Really? Your thighs are are don't get as cold as your arms? No, I. So yes, I'm I'm with you on that. But so my problem then with the opening flashback becomes that I I I am a very big fan of the this original movie. Mm-hmm. I think Leatherface can and maybe sometimes should be viewed as a sympathetic character based on the first movie i do believe that um i do not like the unvilification of the family though well see i don't think that they are unvilified i think it's more we have added other villains because yes they are sympathetic in that when Mm -hmm. when you see a bunch of them and they're not all they don't seem to all just want to eat human beings. Um, it's You become sympathetic to them, not because they're good people, but just because you realize, oh, these 
you know, Texas law-abiding, quote-unquote, good citizens are monsters who are going to do ver- make very bad decisions that are very unfair and uncalled for. I think it's, I don't know, to me it was more like, we're just adding more villains. And I, I mean, like, Leatherface is still a villain until he knows who a character is. And then he's still, I mean, you still don't want to walk by him in a, on a dark, stormy night unless you're able to be like, no, no, dude, we're totally related. See, look, birthmark. I, I don't, I, I think that it's more like it kind of opens up this chapter of, but here's, you know, here's a way to view it differently. I don't know. I, I'm I don't making know. excuses for it because I did enjoy this movie way more than I thought I would. Oh, thank gosh. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I don't see the opening like that. I really do see them trying to make these characters in this family overly sympathetic. Um, they should, I don't believe in, in mob rule. I don't think anybody should get hunted like that, but they were, they were killing people and eating yeah. them. Yeah. Like, don't, don't gloss over that, but that's, that's, that's fine. That's true. We, I mean, we've just, seen what they do and they are awful, it, awful. It was just the choice to frame it that way. If they, I, they like, they were like, they were sitting ducks just waiting for right. it. And these, this mob of rednecks came like, oh, come and, on. And I mean, the way they then characterize the rednecks, especially the guy who ends up like adopting Heather. Yeah. When like she goes to see him and they like, it, it's like a close up of his sock with a hole in it. It's really broad. Yes. And, you know, like, I, I get it. You're going for a certain kind of audience. Like, you want things as simple as you can make them in a way. But, like, we get it. He is the epitome of a Texas redneck. You have, you've told it. Like, we get it. We don't need Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel jokes yeah. coming from his mouth. Yeah. Um, I think I want too much from this movie. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, I have a big problem with geography in this movie. Um, the whole thing was filmed in Louisiana, so none of it was filmed in Texas, which is fine. I don't need that. But what I don't get is, so the original house that that the baby came from, that the baby who was the, our main character right, Heather, was, yeah. she gets taken from, was it, we have to assume was in Texas, she got taken from Texas, right? Yes. So... Where was where did she go? Where did she live? Where did she go and see her family at? To then drive through Texas to get to New Orleans. Wait, I'm confused. Aren't they? Do they too. say that the house isn't in Texas? Well, no, the house is in Texas. Oh, are they... where does she live? Oh, because they're driving through Texas to get to New Orleans. May- well, she moved away from her parents, didn't she? But she went and visited them in the middle of deciding whether or not to go to the house. Oh, that's a really good. I didn't. Wasn't, I don't know, man. I told you, I've seen this. You, I was <laughs> you have noticed things. Um, <laughs> I have entered a different level with this movie. We're this movie and I are in a relationship. I can change my status. It, that was, and I'm, yeah, and I am, I am not there. Um, and I did not even. I just assumed, oh, like, she left to go to college or left to, because look at her parents, of course she would leave. And, like, she lives yeah. maybe, like, two towns over or something, so she went to see her dad and found this out. Although, and maybe, maybe her parents moved, too. 
Yeah, that's what I was curious about. What I I never know. I know I don't know where they start. Like I don't know where she lives. Right. So the the whole I'm gonna we're gonna drive through Texas on the way to New Orleans. Well, because she doesn't. To me, that's not how. She de- clearly that's didn't. not how driving works. <laughs> from Texas, from Austin to New Orleans, it's like a six and a half, seven hour drive. Where are to get into Texas? It's like a five hour drive. Where are they coming? Maybe from she's in a different. They're gonna spend part of Texas. I, a, maybe, maybe I, I will accept that. Because she that. clearly like had never been to that town. The parents must have moved out of that town. Oh, had to. Yeah, because it doesn't make any sense maybe. why nobody would know her there and why she wouldn't know anything there. They she they straight up took a baby. Right. I think they would have to haul ass out of there. Yeah, so but I it also seems the- like the town sort of like erased everything, so nobody yeah. like quite knew what happened that day. Yeah. But yeah, okay, you're right. So- that is because I even at one point I remember thinking to myself, "Wait, how did she never hear about this thing that happened?" Like, because yeah. as much as everybody in the town swore to secrecy, like there's no way that like people would talk, like you would know. But I, then at some point, I'm like, "Oh, right, she didn't grow up there. She grew up a few towns over, or something, or or a few dimensions over, according mm-hmm. to your math." Um, I I will. Dr- I that's just something I've noticed, and I I wanted to bring it up, but now I'll. I'll, I'll move on. Okay. So her friends, so she has like the token, um, like the token hot, sexy friends who are going to go to party in this house <laughs> and they pick up a hitchhiker. And I, I dug this. I dug the whole, like, cause the remake did, a, I, did what I thought was a really cool twist on the hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. Um, even Texas Transit Massacre 3 with Viggo Mortensen does a sort of twist on the hitchhiker. So I like the idea that like this is sort of a constant that you like play with. And in this case, we, do, we get this attractive hitchhiker and we're like, oh, what's he going to do? Oh, no, he's just going to like, he's, he's fine. Oh, no, he's bad. Oh, but he's not <laughs> that bad. And so I was cool with that. But my issue, and this is like an overall issue with this movie, is that... I really, I like the ambition of, okay, we're going to basically tell this sequel, we're going to set it this way, we're going to kind of twist it, we're now, like, we're going to kind of look at it in making Leatherface sort of this, you know, if you get him on your side, you're okay. But I am so mixed on the decision, and I think it's an okay decision, I just don't like how much time is spent with them. Mm Mm-hmm. This sort of like Trojan horse into, and here's our hot young people, and this movie is going to be about them. Oh, no, it's not, because we're killing most of them really quickly. I would have been really cool with that if they all died within 10 minutes of being introduced. And like, I think we're we're kind of like spoiling details of this movie because it's paced and designed so oddly that it's hard to talk about like some plot points without maybe giving stuff away that you might not otherwise expect when you watch this. Mm -hmm. Like you meet these five hot young people, right? So it's Heather, her boyfriend, her friend who is Alex on Lost or Jodie Arias in the Jodie Arias Lifetime movie, which is what I know. Okay. There you go. Um, And her boyfriend who really wants to cook for everybody. Oh boy. I liked him. He He was so excited about cooking. And then they pick up a hitchhiker. And, like, you know they're going to die, obviously, because they're all hot young people who have sex. This is, I've seen this movie. I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's really odd the way it happens and how both quickly and not quickly it happens, I guess. Because I like the idea of if they had marketed this completely as, like, pictures of these hot people and you're like, okay, we're going to meet them. They're all going to die. 
And we meet them, we spend some time with them, we spend more time with them, we spend a little more time with them, and most of them die, and then we spend a little more time, and then the rest of them die. Not yes. again. Uh, this it really. If you didn't think that the girl that's ha- that's cheating on her boyfriend with her best friend's boyfriend is going to die, then you've never seen a movie before. But I guess so. It was like this weird kind of. Are you kind of afraid to not have these characters here, or is it just you kind of wanted to do this thing where you have a whole lot of bodies at different times in different ways? I don't know. And there are certain decisions I really like. Um, I love, and I'm not spoiling this detail, but I love the fate of aforementioned girl that played Jodie Arias in the Jodie Arias Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. I love how that plays out. I think that's a, it's a nod to the original, but it's also like kind of a really mean gut punch to it, and I was totally cool with that. Yeah. But I guess it's just such an odd uh, pacing decision, because all of a sudden we're dealing with them. We're sort of not dealing with them. Now Heather is in a police station investigating her family. Meanwhile, Leatherface is over here and this cop is over here. And so it just gets very messy, but I kind of like that because it was unlike any other of these movies. But yet I just wish it was like the, like not quite where it, where I, where it was. Yeah. It seems like you really liked this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, it's like kind of what I said about Belko Experiment. I enjoyed this movie more than it was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, a part of it is look at this franchise as a whole. If you're, when you're looking at, you know, like the big horror franchises, I think people even forget to name Texas Chainsaw Massacre because as a, as a series, it is so disconnected. You have the mm-hmm. first film. I, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Arguably, arguably the best horror film of all time. Certainly in anybody's top 10, top five and then you have the sequel, which is Toby Hooper coming back and being like, look, I can't make that movie again, so I'm just going to make it into a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. You have part three, which is sort of a mediocre, you know, very mediocre sequel. Part four, which is a terrible, terrible, wacky, insane something of a movie that even I don't like, and I usually like those kinds of things. You have the remake, which I like. You have the prequel to the remake, which I hate, because does that thing where you think you're going to get a different story and you just get the same movie? Yeah, I didn't I, don't, I didn't like that one yeah. either. So when you put them all together, like, you don't... You're, like, even less so than something like Children of the Corn, where the movies are very, like, not connected other than the fact that we keep having corn and kids. Mm-hmm. Like, this franchise feels so... Um, so loosely connected, and it's hard to even, like, judge it the same way when you're looking at stuff that kind of came out at the same time. Like, all of these movies came out such different big time gaps between them and so this one i feel like if i'm i mean if i'm making a list like this is probably number three on the list of them you know like that it's doing different stuff with characters that we know yeah and it's doing different stuff with the formula right we know this formula we know that the final girl we know what's going to happen with her we know the choices she's going to make you, and they you do nail give that. exactly what i love and hate about this movie so what is it that, that you hate about it I I hate the end. Okay. Um, I wanted it to do something different, and I thought it was fucking setting up to do something different. Ooh, I want to. And I'm so mad. I wrote I wrote like like a six thousand word blog post about this where I rewrote the entire end. (gasps) I have such an issue with the way this movie ends, and I think it's because of you know expectations and stuff. But like, I don't know. Are we spoiling the ending? 
I mean, let's do it now because now I'm so curious. So, okay, okay anybody so, listening, first off, I kind of recommend it. It's not, again, it's not great, but it's different. It's kind of a fun horror movie. So, yeah. but if you want to watch this, you know, without hearing the ending, then please go away and come back to us after you have. We're warning yeah. you, spoilers. We're talking now about everything that happened in TCM. DC3D. Or T3D, okay. actually, since Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh no all the other time i've been wrong it should have been texas chainsaw master texas chainsaw all this time it should have been t c s m yeah what do you know i learned something today okay <laughs> tell me okay. about your ending so everything that you say is so true it's it takes a formula and it does but yeah it doesn't adhere to it like as as we expect it to basically there are there are things that happen that make it more interesting than you would expect right so i felt like and i don't know maybe somebody knows maybe there's something out there written i felt like this movie from the jump was saying hey guess what this broad is the new leatherface right because she she's like the last of that line mm-hmm. you know she's you know you could tell she's a little off i mean she's dating this like super hot buff dude and she's got friends but look at her she works in a butcher shop and she's wearing a hat and she, and she does makes, art yeah she does art with bones you know like the bones fucking hanging around that gd house in the first one so like leatherface is old and we've established he's old and he needs somebody to take care mm-hmm. of him and like he's killing these people and i guess that should have been my first hint that it wasn't gonna go the way i wanted it to but like Heather is slowly her her name is Heather, right? Yes. She's slowly realizing that like people fucked with her family and maybe she's not right to get revenge or vindication, but there's certainly a reason to and she's really starting to feel like this is a thing that she actually belongs to. This is what she, this is where she comes right. from. This is and her be, family. Good, bad or indifferent, this is who she is. So she's going to embrace it. And like so the sheriff or whoever he is, the mayor, I don't know, that awful guy, is like, we're going to, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your, you know, terrible, awful cousin or whatever. And she fucking has that fucking chainsaw in her fucking hands. And what does she do? She throws it to Leatherface and says, get him, cuz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does. What is that? You're telling me this broad couldn't have cut that guy down with that chainsaw himself and really embraced who she had realized she was? Why the fuck wasn't that this movie? That's fair. I mean, I think she is making the choice to embrace the Sawyer in her. Sure. I mean, like, that is her decision is I could save this man or, like, I mean, even the decision she saves Leatherface's life and this is a man who has just killed her boyfriend and two of her friends. And her hitchhiker. So it it is a decision she is making. She is choosing Leatherface over society and everything else. Yes. But you're right. It would have been a much more powerful move if she had been the one to wield that chainsaw. Completely agree. Because instead of deciding, I am part of this family and I am going to actively be part of it, she is deciding, I am part of this family and I am going to stand by and let this person do things while I bring him meals. Yeah. It's even, two, yeah. two different things for me. That's true. So, so sure, it's it's cool that like she had this journey and like 
whatever. But like, I feel like it was a bit of a cop out. And instead of passing the torch, which would have been would have been really nice for this movie to do, it just said, "Oh, Leatherface is going to live forever and keep doing this." That's fair. That is fair. I will give like, you it that. It bummed me out. It yeah. bummed me out. No, and I I wonder. Yeah, where and when that decision was. If it was just, and if they just weren't thinking about it and thought like, oh yeah, she's going to choose Leatherface and that's going to be her choice. Or if somebody was like, wouldn't it be more powerful if, or if they filmed it that way and then they were like, oh no, she doesn't look good with a chainsaw. I don't know. People people aren't going to like that Leatherface didn't get the, the end hero yeah. moment. Yeah. Like, because, I, and I get it, I get what it is. And I get that a, a lot of super passionate horror fans and slasher fans are our guys you know mm-hmm. there is still they i want to feel so, emasculated by a hot I chick chainsaw still them. think that would have been pretty cool i agree no you are and, you are right you were totally right about that i i just wanted that so bad that at the same time of, of loving this movie for whatever reason i just really <laughs> like it it makes me so angry because i think that there was so much potential for it to be even bigger and better and like cooler and maybe even a little fan servicey like it could have it could have been that like great movie that catered to fans of this franchise but also did something like a little more interesting With the know. idea that like that's right you could be a sawyer too yeah i don't i don't know like i guess because i i guess i'm saying i didn't feel like it was fan servicey to me because it but is fan servicey. I mean, there, you know, yeah. there's a shot, a close up of a dead armadillo in the second yeah. scene. Like this movie is very much and, and like they put Alex from Lost in like orangey short shorts. And oh do yeah, that, yep. like, I wrote that down. Up yeah, the butt, yep. up the butt shot. Like, thank you. I actually do appreciate. Me too. That. Yeah. It, it'll never be Pam, and it'll never be that movie. But thank you for trying. Because right. for being, you know, respectful of the original to say. You know, with without just again being a straight up remake, which even the remake yeah. is not a straight up remake, which I also appreciate. But to kind of say like, look, we watch the original, we love the original, we are honoring the original, and this is you know how we've decided to do that. It does feel really respectful of that, which I really appreciate. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It would have been cooler if it was uh, if she was more badass at the end. Uh, you know, it, that should have been her really bad CGI blood that she call that she caused. Yes, that was. Oh, I maybe Whoa. it looked better in 3D, but oh, for 2013, so. man, that all of the blood in this movie is so. It, I mean, it looks like when you've and we've all seen really bad pixelated blood in like early 2000s 3D movies. Yeah, it's still doing it that way apparently. Yeah. Uh, not 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 great. Didn't look great. No, by no means did it. Yeah, uh, this is a Lionsgate. Uh, I think it's the first Lionsgate Texas Chainsaw movie, as far as I know. I think the other one was Platinum Dunes, and I they do so. like I was I you know as somebody who's watched a lot of Lionsgate horror films, uh, and usually they have a pretty decent track record overall. But there is a. Um, a cute little moment when they're in the at the carnival and there's a uh, the chain little little person runs out of the haunted house and they're wearing the pig saw mask. Did you catch that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh I my like god. That. It's also really that cute. Was great. Then there's like a chainsaw match. The whole idea of like, oh my god, Leatherface is in public. Leatherface is at a carnival. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. I I did like that a lot, and and they've. 
it's 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 fun. It's a fun fuck. It's a fun movie. It's really Damn fun. It. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, it's. I mean, I was really pleasantly surprised because I. I mean, again, I trusted that. Oh, the fact that like you're so into this movie means it must be there must be something to it. Um, but I just had heard so little positive about it when it came out. Nobody I knew liked it. Um, and I mean, nobody other than you, I think, like, has ever, ta- I've ever, never really heard anybody talk about this one. And so I just was like, okay, I guess Christine wants to watch the Texas Chainsaw 3D movie. Okay. But I can totally, I totally get why you've watched it 12 times. Because it, it, it does have a lot to really appreciate. It's, it's just, it's fun. It moves a lot. Um, yeah. Again, like, I'm, I have issues with, it's not the pacing, it's the, like script decisions with how they dealt with the I'm gonna call them the kids like the young people I I just kind of I don't know I just it it was like in a medium where I just wish it was either shorter or longer Mm -hmm. but I would have loved if like they got to the house and it's like all these hot people and then like all of a sudden they all die right away but it just goes on a little bit longer to where it just feels like they're wasting some time with them no you're really you're right because there is there is a it, you're not far into it, and there's this like the deaths start, and they are consistent, and they and, and are the first happening. one's really quick. When it's the guy and, cooking, it's so quick that it happens, and, and I'm you're like, like, oh, so they're gonna kill everybody yeah. right the second? What is this movie gonna do? But and instead, like, no, strange. we have to establish that her boyfriend was having an affair, and I feel like that's even in there just to sort of make characters a little less sympathetic, so that you're okay with them dying and with her. Although, like, they never even address, like, she never addresses it. Like, she never has the chance to be like, hey, so were you cheating on me? But it, like, almost feels like they throw that in there just to get, like, a little bit of sexiness. But it's not like there's nudity. Yeah, no, I actually kind of liked that. Because for me, that, I like when, when movies, when things in movies escalate believably. Like, like people, hey, I'm upset about this thing. And then, like, oh, I'm, I might die. I don't even, this isn't even on my radar. I kind of liked how they were, like, screwing around, and then, like, Leatherface shows up, and all bets are off. Like, right. she has, Alex from Lost has no pants on and is wearing that dude's shirt, and, like, ain't nobody give a fuck about yeah, that. Yeah, we don't have time for her to deal with our relationship issues. Let's get the You're fuck out of here. You're about to die. So I kind of liked that, because it was superfluous, but in, in a way that I enjoy in, in movies, where, like, why would you care about that? You're, you're, no one cares. I, I, I don't just... mind that she didn't care. I guess I minded that it even that had to happen. be a thing. Because yeah. it just was, t- like, you probably, I mean, maybe if you looked at it on paper, it might have been, like, five minutes of this movie of them earlier establishing that they'd had an affair that you could have cut out. And it could no, have just been, get it. yeah, like, dude cooking dies, they're playing pool, and all of a sudden Leatherface kills them, and, like, you know, like, it just could have, and I think it would have been then, like, you're left with, oh my god, they're all dead, what do we do? Like, that could have been really neat, but again, it's just, it's not quite the movie I wanted, for no, that reason. If they had leaned into that a little bit more, like, come up with these big, full, weird interactions and backstories, and then just killed everybody and none yep. of it matters. Yeah, which is also <laughs> something, like, I love in a movie. I, I love a tease me with this whole character's backstory and then kill them right, like right after that like it's something I appreciate in part because I grew up on slashers and then 90s horror movies where very rarely did anybody die or not die that you didn't see coming exactly and that's what, what like why like we always go back to Halloween H2O why I hate that movie so much 
because it feels so much of oh right no only the people that were that like had to die died and anybody else like no we weren't going there because it just yeah. like it, it drives the fuck out of me but with this like it you know it doesn't like every like you kind of know on one hand you know what's going to happen but then it obviously takes a lot of turns that i definitely didn't see coming especially not knowing what i was getting going into this but i just think they could have handled that somehow more creatively or more no you're completely right yeah yeah but it's still like so much funner than i thought uh i do think we need to address we talked about how weird her style choices are in this movie uh, and then at one point, like, she's given a shirt, because her half shirt gets, like, covered in blood, yeah. so the um, deceptively kind police officer, um, played by Clint Eastwood's son, gives her uh, a shirt that I guess they just have at the police station. Mm-hmm. And then during, like, this whole, like, you know, this chase and this all this stuff, that shirt is, like, the most um, magically breast-covering shirt you have ever seen. Yep, they, they tape the shirt to her boobs yes like it is like so, invisible tape so it's like remember when j-lo wore that dress the green versace at mm-hmm. um the oscars got like 20 years ago and then um Trey yeah. parker and matt stone wore them the next year like that's kind of what it is where her, like she's beaten so her buttons come open but her shirt so is just taped over her breasts in a way where like i'm watching it and i'm like look i don't you know, I don't need to see her boobs. Like, it's not like I'm like, ooh, let me see her breasts. But now I'm obsessed with seeing how they're going to manage not showing her boobs. So this, the whole shirt is maddening. I have so many thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> I could fill a book with my thoughts Very on this setting. Um, so here's the thing. She, she is, um, she's very busty. Yes. Um, she's topless and true detective. She's a very busty young lady, and she's also way older than you would think. She's closer to our age than when okay. we are anything. pretty old. But like, she was born like in '86, I think. Like, she plays much younger. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. I have lots of opinions about her and how her, how she's cast. But anyways, so when she's wearing the half shirt, she has a very thick strapped bra on because she is a bustier gal. She is clearly wearing a bra yep. that is for someone of her cup size. So she has a thick strapped bra on, which I very much appreciate. So she is in this shirt because her other shirt gets ruined, but it's also a plot device because it's how Leatherface sees the scar Mm -hmm. on her that he recognizes and knows I'm not going to kill her. Um, She could have been wearing a deep V for that to happen. But anyways, they choose to put her in a shirt that's going to be busted open. There is no way that she has been running around in this shirt without a bra on. She would have There's, such a backache. She's no fucking way. First of all, it doesn't look like that. Nope. Second of all, you wouldn't do that. Did her bra get ruined too when her half I shirt... I mean, maybe did? it was covered in blood in her friend's guts, so maybe she took off the bra, but... I don't you're know. like a C... And she's like a C or D. Like, she's busty. Like... You're not making that, like, you're going to sit there and decide, okay, I've been chased by a madman with a chainsaw for the last two hours. Yes. He's probably going to chase me again. Yes. yes, my boyfriend's brain is, like, on my bra, but it's also my bra. And I don't think this police station has one of those lying around. So, yeah. So, maybe she took it off. We can, we can so, maybe accept that. 
the, that's fine. I maybe I'll accept that. So yes, you can see where the shirt is taped. You can see like her skin pulling. So you, the shirt is clearly taped to her boobs, so they don't mm-hmm. show. That's again, whatever. This is the movie we're in. When she starts running away again after that, and like holds her shirt closed and starts to button it back up, she is clearly wearing a sports bra. <laughs> clearly, you can tell she's wearing a sports bra because there's no fucking way you're running like that no. with cameras on you. No. Without a bra. No, it's very it's uncomfortable. Just, it's just like, it wouldn't look good either. No. Like, I mean, maybe if that's your thing, but I'm just saying aesthetically, it would look... Yeah. No, it wouldn't because like, they don't always go in the same direction and they're hitting different places. It's a whole thing. It, it, it's a whole thing. But... So I maddening. I find that maddening. There, I guess they want to be titillating. No pun intended. Well, and that or and like, the frustration is like I was reading on the IMDb trivia. Apparently, like she originally had sort of a no nudity clause, and I figured that watching it, I'm like, oh, they must yeah. have been like, you know, she she doesn't want to get nude. Like so, they're doing everything they can to not have her nude, but it's so distracting. But from the IMDb note, she basically said like, no, it's fine. Like I get what's going on. Like yeah, you would see my boobs. And like, the, but the, then the director was like, "No, no, no! I don't want to. That, that I feel like that would be um, like crossing a line. Come on! Like, and they no. didn't have to. The other thing too, and this is a huge frustration of any kind of studio film, is that like you don't breasts don't have to stop everything. Mm-hmm. If you see a breast, it's not like that has to like close up, zoom, everything. Like, no. Sometimes your shirt comes off, and I you can see a boob." Like if they had yeah, it shirt... doesn't have just because there's a boob doesn't mean it has to be the focal point. Yeah, like I remember watching Love Actually, and being shocked at the way they handle nudity, because like Laura Linney at one point like is like her shirt sort of comes off, she's like kissing a guy, and like I was just shocked. I'm like, oh my god, like that's like that looks real and that looks natural, and they're not doing anything weird about it. Like yeah, her dress is half off. I can see some of her boob. But the movie isn't focusing on that. Like, they're not doing a thing. It's just as if her shirt kind of came off. And you see, I mean, you certainly see some films handle that well. I forget what movie I watched recently. Oh, what was I talking about? It was a movie I watched that was directed by a woman. And I remember being, like, really struck noticing how... Oh, it was um, it was uh, Into the Green, I think. It was the movie with Rev- Evan Rachel Wood and um, short little Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, like, at various points, like, they're, you know, deliver- like, there is a baby being born, and they're, like, dealing with, you know, cleaning things up. And then the way nudity was handled, I'm like, oh, that's, like, it's just natural nudity. Like, at times, their shirts are falling open, and the camera isn't, like, ogling them, and they're not making a point to not cover, or to cover up when they wouldn't be covering up. Like, and it was just this moment of, like, oh, right, like, that's... I shouldn't notice this because it should be natural, but I'm like, I always respect when they handle it in a way that's natural because most movies, like this one being a prime example, do not because boobs are a whole different and thing. Why, and that's why, the, you know, the whole the whole male gaze thing, the over-objectification of women, like if you just handled bodies like bodies right. and sometimes they're titillating and sometimes they're not, then there wouldn't be a problem. But if every time a boob is on screen, you treat it yeah. like it's something to jerk off to, then that's the mentality that people are going to have when they see a boob. Yeah. Like it's just, it doesn't have to be treated that way all the time. Of course, there's times when that works in context, but it, it doesn't always. Yeah. So if they had dressed her, if they, if Scott Eastwood had come 
out and said, like, look, this is all I had in my locker, and thrown her, like, like a kind of see-through white Hanes V-neck men's shirt, and she just threw that on over her black bra. One, it would have been hotter than that shirt, <laughs> and two, it would have made more sense when she's hanging there for him to see that birthmark. Yep. Agreed. Like, there you go. A choice that makes sense. It makes sense that he would have this shirt. It would fit her weird. The, ne- the neck would gape open more than it should. He would see the birthmark. Boom. Done. Yeah, but instead doing this thing that is so clearly sexing up something without, like, committing to, to like, the naturalism of it is just really frustrating. Um, I'm glad yeah. we had this talk about that because it really bothered me. And, it you know, again, like, too. yeah, this, this is, I think, you know, there are, there are a lot of, we know there's a lot of podcasts out there, everybody. And... You know, every podcast, you know, a lot of them, you know, probably cover the same movies. And I'm sure, you know, maybe not the skeptic. I think we're probably the first podcast to cover that one. <laughs> um, but here and there, I like to think this is where you can say, like, there is a reason that we're called the feminine critique. <laughs> because we are women looking at a movie. And maybe we do see things in a different way than a lot of other more male-centric podcasts. Oh, wait. It's true. Yeah. Um, Boy. Indeed. So let me ask you something else that I ended up in a very long and confused conversation with my husband about. Because I've uh, I've always kind of gone back and forth on this. In the uh-huh. first, now in the first movie. Yes. What is, we have the three Sawyers, right? We have Leatherface, we have the cook, and we have the hitchhiker. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is their relationship? Father, sons, or brothers? Or cousins, or neighbors or what oh I, you know what i've never given it that much thought really i don't know yeah. do you know it's this it's on amazon prime and i haven't watched it in maybe like seven years oh, turn so the lights I'm out thinking of rewatching it. it do it turn the lights out it's oh it's such a good good one i i love it so much yeah, um i just so i haven't watched it in a, in a while um i don't know i never thought about it See, because I think... Why, what do you think? I think I had always thought when I was younger that the cook was the dad and the two were sons. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know that I always thought that or what in um, Gunnar Hansen's book about the making of it, which I recommend anybody that's a fan of the movie should totally check it out. It was... Um, I wonder if I can get that on the library. It's Chainsaw Confidential. I'm sure you can. That's how, that's how we got it. We took it out of the library and shared it. Uh, it is, it's great. And it, read it before you rewatch the movie. Cause it really like gives you a whole lot of things to look for and some things you didn't know. And just mm-hmm. some things that like deepen it. And one of the things he says in the book is that they're brothers. And once you think it that way, like it, it makes almost makes more sense. And it, I think it does, they never say anything specifically and they don't even say the name Sawyer in the original. So it's not like that's a yeah. later kind of retcon or just later reveal, I guess. But um, it does kind of change the relationship a bit. And in so in this one, when in the opening scene, you have Bill Mosley kind of playing the cook, I think, was sort of what I got out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when they say, which I like to see Bill Mosley there, because A, I like Bill Mosley, and B, it's, he was Chop Top in part two. But so mm-hmm. when they basically say to him, you have to bring Leatherface out, and he makes the decision to you know he's like okay I'll go do it to me I thought like oh I don't Brandon thought he heard him reference that he was the father but I thought I'm like I I have a hard time (laughs) believing as a father he would have done that as a brother maybe 
but I just was curious if you caught that or if any listeners, where that discussion lies, because I think that's like a broader question about the series as a whole. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to, I do plan on re-watching. Yeah. So I have to pay attention. And it is, I mean, this movie does give um, quite a few cameos that are all great. I I enjoyed seeing them. So you have Bill Moseley, you have uh, Gunnar Hansen, Mm -hmm. uh, and you have Marilyn Burns. Yes, I know. This is so, so great. exciting. Uh, and you also have uh, John Dugan, who played Grandpa in the original, playing yep. Grandpa again. And this was Brandon's joke, but I'm sure it's true, which is, I'm like, I wonder if they got paid more for this than they did the original. And I'm like, uh, there's no question. They didn't yeah, get paid absolutely. for the original. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those were most of my notes. The only other note I had that I wrote in caps, so I feel like it's important, is extreme close-up of words out of context in a police report. Yes. It's like she's reading the police report and all you see is like chainsaw, Sawyer, screaming, cannibalism, nighttime, Texas. Yeah, not, no. not a huge fan. Yeah, it's a little much. Little um much. and we also get Richard Real showing up as the lawyer, which was yes, nice to yes, see. Yes, 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 yes. Although were you I'm like surprised. also from the very beginning annoyed that she didn't read the letter? A little bit, because he's very explicit about it. Yeah. And, like, it's like, dude, you just inherited a house from somebody that you didn't know was your grandmother. Here's a piece of information about that. Like, take a minute. Like, just read the fucking letter. Mm-hmm. Especially considering it would have saved, like, 12 lives, probably, if she had. But at the same time, then we wouldn't have had the movie. And I rather yeah. liked the movie for what it was, you know. She should, she should have paid more attention. Indeed. Yeah. But she also, maybe, it was because she was wor- trying to find the rest of her shirt. I don't know. <laughs> Possible. Yes. All right. So do you have more to say? I mean, you've you've seen this movie 35 times. So. I know it keeps increasing as we go along. Yeah. Um no, I don't I think I've said all I have to say. Okay. Quality of film. 6. That's that is exactly where I was going. Cuz yeah. it is a little better than average when you think of the average for a movie like this especially a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, but it does have on paper and on, you know, that CGI blood, um, some character choices, some wardrobe choices that we just can't get behind. Quality of life. (laughs) (laughs) 9.5. Yeah, I'm going, uh, I'm going like 7.5 because I really enjoyed this and I will totally watch it again when it's on TV. Uh, It, I mean, you've obviously gotten more out of it by the fact that you've watched it 47 times. Yep. 190 uh, times. Yeah. But I, I really, again, I think my expectations were really low going in. Yeah. Um, and by no, I mean, again, nothing holds a candle to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is, of remains course. one of the best movies of all time. Uh, but I appreciated both how this one honored it. I felt this one was respectful of it. And it had new things and new ideas, and it was just fun. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And I loved that house. Yeah, it was really God, cool. It had the, the poor, I want a front porch, a beautiful front porch. Um, it had a family cemetery, like, right attached, which is pretty convenient. Love it. Yeah. Really uh, it convenient. Those, like, that open stair plan, which is really cool inside. Mm-hmm. And that kitchen, like, if I walked into that kitchen, I'd be like, yeah, I'm cooking for you guys, too. Even had a pool. It, was an, it was a good kitchen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a beautiful house. I guess I'd rather inherit this house than the Skeptic House, but the Skeptic House was also pretty cool. I like the Skeptic House. Yeah, it was a nice house. Yeah. 
Also open stair plan. Lots of stairs this week. My goodness. Oof. Love it. All right. So that was Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, yes. Not currently streaming for free anywhere, but you can rent it on Amazon. So I, mean, I went and rented it from a video store. Did it have any um, features? If it did, I didn't look at oh, them. So I'd be curious if there was like an alternate ending or yeah. like this is one, like if I find this DVD cheap, I may buy it if it has extras because mm. I'd be really curious. Yeah, I mean, the disc is still here. I have to bring it back today. I'm not sure okay. if I'll look, get a chance look to at, look at it. Give me a favor. Look at what else is on there. Just take okay. A okay? Okay. We'll look at the all back right, of right. the DVD box and just see what's on there. If I could we'll do kill one you thing to do this, my God. Once in my life. Jeez. God, I'm lazy. <laughs> I am. So, what so, are, do you have a streaming recommendation? I do. <gasps> Yay. It's on what Netflix. platform? Netflix. Yay. I think this is a Netflix thing that they acquired so you okay. can only see it on netflix um it's i don't want to live in this world anymore you know about this I, movie? it keeps showing up on netflix i know what is it though it's um so macon blair who's a dude who's done other mo- who's been in other movies and stuff this might be his directorial debut i'm not really sure but like it's been widely hyped and I was wary of it, but it's actually really good. It's okay. Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood. Ooh, I love her, and I love him. So, 100% watch it. It's okay. really good. It's really different. It's really quirky. But, like, and all that sounds like it could be awful. Like, if you tell me something's different and quirky, I immediately hate it. I don't feel but at home in this actually... world anymore. Yeah, I think that's what it okay. is. It's, it's good. Um it's funny and Elijah Wood's really good in it and Melanie Linsky's really good and it's poignant and it's like hopeless but also like really hopeful and it's a movie for weirdos it's good oh you know who this guy is the director he's the yeah. guy in Blue Ruin and um yes. yeah yep. and uh Green Room yep neat okay I, I like him as an actor good for yeah, him to direct it's, it's an attractive movie as well so his okay, you have to go on IMDb and look at Macon make Macon make Macon Blair's photo. Yes. It is the it. sweetest picture of it's any man cute. I have ever seen. It doesn't look like it, I don't recognize him from that picture like, though. It's I mean he you know, he's got he's got brown eyes, like he's he, like he's he's cute. He's not like a really like he's not hot, but he's like a cute, like, you know, he's a pleasant looking man. Mm-hmm. But like his <laughs> picture on IMDb, I can't stop staring at it. Like he has this like little smile. <laughs> And his eyes are just, like, piercing my soul right now. It's actually making me a little uncomfortable. I'm going to close the window because I can't really handle it right now. Oh, no. I, okay. Right, I do highly recommend everybody goes on IMDb and looks at Macon Blair's picture. And then comes back to me and says that that is not, the, like, the nicest looking person they've ever seen. Like, I would totally trust that man to watch my cats. Aw. Like, that's he just, that's he looks, big. He's just pleasant looking in that picture. Anyway, it was that was very refreshing, I guess, in its own way. <laughs> All right, um, I will give that a go. That's a that that cast in ju- in just that cast makes me. Blush. Yeah, I was wary because I wasn't sure if I would like it just because of all the positive mm. things I had heard. Okay, it could have gone either way for sure, me, but sure. like, definitely liked it. Okay, uh, my recommend is also via Netflix, and it is a TV series. And I recommend it because I feel like the conversations have, I've been in a lot of conversations about this lately. And let's, let's take, go back like two or three years, I guess. When Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was announced as a show, I think people were very excited and then quickly disappointed. 
because that first season kind of goes up and down and then kind of hits mm-hmm. a slow point and then hits a point where it becomes fucking awesome. And that is a, this show has consistently gotten better every season. The current season that um, is currently airing now is really good. It's like they've done like I, I don't want to overhype it, but really great things with the story and it's brought all this great stuff out in each character. And that's a show that has always been really, really good about its female characters and, Mm -hmm. you know, having strong women, but not making like that be a thing, but not not making that a thing and so on. And so for a lot of people that I know, like kind of tried it and just gave up after like three episodes or so, I really do recommend going back to it. And, and I mean, it's they're long seasons, but what they started to do this season is break everything up into like half season arcs. And it's been yeah. great for the show because it means like just pacing is so much better. Um, but it really is a show that steadily improves and the cast is like really gels and everything. And so if you're looking like if you have a big TV hole in your life and want some good action stuff, um, if you originally gave up on the show, I urge you to go back to it and you can do so easily on Netflix right now. I did give up on the show. I hated it. Yeah. Um, it's it's good. It's gotten much better. And like every single season gets better progressively. So. All right. All right. I recommend it's all. All right. So when next we meet Christine. Yes. This is my, These are my picks because you picked these two. Yes. So now it's my turn. Uh, first off, I would like to announce some pleasant news for most of you out there, which is that we're going to be joined by a special guest star. Woo! Uh, special guest star is no stranger to the show. It is Jason Fozzie Nelson, Fozzie Bear himself, uh, good pal of the show. So he'll be Yay. with us. Exciting. And because he's going to be with us, I had to really like think about like, okay, what are some movies that like we want to hear his perspective on? That's actually not true. First, it started with me reading an article about this movie that I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. Oh, we should cover that. Oh, we should pair it with this movie and have Jason on the show with us. So that movie came out last year or two years ago, I think. And I just read about it on my World of Flops on the AV Club. And this was a movie that I'm like, oh, this has seems to have like kind of an interesting story behind it and actually sounds really funny and really appealing to me. It is called The Bronze. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like this like kind of black comedy about a former Olympic gymnast. It's supposed to be amazing. That's... We were gonna, we were, I was supposed to go see it in the theater, but I never got around to it because it was only at our theater for, I'm not kidding you, three days. I was going to say, you like most people because apparently it was one of the biggest uh, bombs as far as a wide release goes. Because mm-hmm. it, it was a Sundance movie and it was like a huge hit at Sundance, big bidding war, everything else. So then they released it, wide, wide, uh, what do they call it? Widespread major release big release wide release that's it wide release (laughs) they gave it a wide release and i i don't know when they did this i don't remember it being advertised so their marketing probably for it wasn't if if i didn't know like dude it's a gymnastics movie why would you not tell me about this um it bombed miserably and made like less than a thousand dollars or something uh, so it was considered a huge flop, but I've heard really good things about it, and it has a good cast mm-hmm. uh, that excites me for a lot of different reasons. And it's about a gymnast, and I like gymnastics movies, so so Yay. we are going to do that, and we're going to pair that with another black comedy that involves women in competition. And this is 1990-somethings, or 2000-somethings, I don't know. But another movie that I've seen once, and I remember liking, and I know people that love it, and I'd like to revisit it and see where I fall on it, and that is the star-studded Drop Dead Gorgeous. What is that? I know that name. It's a beauty pageant movie. 
Kirsten Dunst. I got my phone. Denise Richards, Brittany Murphy, Kirstie Alley. Oh. I like, oh, I know. Okay, you said Kirstie Alley, and I know exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> like that that's the one that connected for you. Uh, yeah, what is that movie? <laughs> did it come out? Did, did you look it up? Do you see it? What year it was? Nah, my phone's going really sm- Drop, slow. Now I'm really curious. Drop Dead Gorgeous was 1999. Oh, Ellen Barkin's in it. I forgot that. Yeah, yeah. I, I recognize, now that I'm looking at it, I recognize that. Yeah, it's like um, this ridiculously good cast. Like, and another movie that kind of yeah. came out and fizzled, but I think there, there's, I think there's like a strong cult appreciation for it. So yeah. I figured those two would be a good pairing. Yay! Okay. Yeah. So that's what I got. All right. And that is our show. All right. I'm into it. All right. Cool. Uh, do you have any anything exciting to tell anybody? Any, any Anything you want them to go anywhere? No. I, no, I think I'm going to go eat lunch. Oh, that's I'm going to go make pizza. I'm making dinner. Uh, oh, okay. fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in different time zones, everyone. I know, Chris. <laughs> you're eating lunch and I'm eating dinner. Guys, will, will us oh. two crazy kids ever make this work? Stay tuned to find out. On that note, if you would like to find out what I made for dinner, what I put on my pizza, you can come follow us on Twitter at Feminine Podcast, or you can join our Facebook group, which is, if you look for the Feminine Critique on Facebook, you will find our Facebook group, and we can talk about things like bras and what I made for dinner and what Christine made for lunch. Are you making lunch or just eating lunch? I'm making it. It's tacos. Taco. Ooh, nice. Do you, with, like, what do you put in your tacos? It's just going to be really simple. Refried black beans, nice. avocado, nice. tomato, onion. Can, can you make mine without onion? Yes, I okay, will. Okay, great. Good. Hard shell or soft Absolutely. shell? Absolutely. Soft corn. Come on. Oh, I, I like hard shell. I know it's like not right to like hard shell, but I really like hard shell. Because then it's just like eating nachos. I know. That's true. I had nachos last night for dinner. I'm extremely healthy. Oh, I love it. Man, it's been like five days since I've had nachos I need to how how are you still alive um (laughs) I'm not sure that I am actually I I mean have we checked I've I I can't check my own pulse we don't know these things that's true you could be a ghost yeah so to find out if I am a ghost and if I had my nachos (laughs) uh come talk to us on Facebook we like it there it's fun and I usually forget where Twitter is so do that Uh, All right. And everybody, remember that if you are going to be running from somebody wielding a chainsaw, you probably do want to be wearing a good supportive bra. I think so. Indeed. Good night, folks. Otto Titzlingen, renter and kraut, had nothing to get very worked up about. His inventions were failures, his future seemed bleak. He fled to the opera at least twice a week. One night at the opera, he saw an Aida, whose bust was so big it would often impede her. But guide, he watched her fall into the pit, dumbing by the weight of those terrible tits. Oh my God, there she goes. Aerodynamically, this girl was a mess. Otto eyeballed the diva lying comatose amongst the reeds, and he suddenly felt the fire
slavery, slavery, station till finally one night in the wee hours of morning, Otto arose from his workbench triumphant. Yes, he had invented the world's first over-the-shoulder boulder holder. Exhausted but ecstatic, Otto ran out to the diva, bearing the prototype in his hot little hand. Now, the diva did not want to try the darn thing on, but after many initial mishaps, she finally did. And the sigh of relief that issued forth from her mouth was so loud that it was mistaken by some to be the early onset of the Sharonton winds, which often rolled through the spark ball with a vengeance. But little did I don't know. At the moment of his greatest triumph, lurking under the diva's bed, was none other than the very worst of the French pattern thieves, Philip. De Brazil. And Phil was watching the scene with a great deal of interest. <laughs> Later that night, while Brunhilde slept, into the wardrobe Philippe softly crept. He fumbled through knickers and corsets galore till he found Otto's sling and he ran out the door. Crying, oh, God, oh, joy, what bliss. I'm gonna make me a million from this. Every woman in the world will wanna buy one. Or do you buy a 